Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kazen. Um, it's quite obvious that uh, the biggest topic of the week is the teaser trailer for the Final Fantasy VII Remake. We will be going over that in great detail. Yeah. Um, there is one other story that I wanted to look at uh, real quick before we jump into that. And that is right here. Let me go ahead and pull it up for you guys so you can see it as well. So this report saying that Yasumi Matsuno commented on a possible new Final Fantasy <coughs> Tactics or Ogre Battle Saga game. Um, so this interview was between Yasumi Matsuno, the director of Final Fantasy Tactics and Ogre Battle and originally Final Fantasy XII. Uh, but also um, the director of Final Fantasy XIV Online, uh, Naoki Yoshida, also known as Yoshi P. And they were talking specifically about the uh, collaboration they did on Final Fantasy XIV uh, content that dives into Ibelise stuff. Uh, Return to Ibelise is what it's called. Mm. Um, talked about how it was more like not directly related to Final Fantasy Tactics or any kind of direct sequel, but more of a what-if scenario with a lot of meta references to Ogre Battle. The worlds don't actually, like, coincide or anything like that, just fun meta references. But there's one quote here that I thought was interesting. Uh, it says, Later on in the interview, Yasumi Matsuno spoke about how or about whether he'll ever make a new Final Fantasy Tactics game or a new Ogle, Ogre Battle Saga game. He says, Rather than looking back at the past, I'm the kind of person who loves trying out new things, but when you reach my age, you start having thoughts like, how much time do I have left to keep making games? And I'm not talking about retirement, I'm talking about death. It's a little bit of a stark <laughs> move there. <laughs> He's worrying about death, but uh, anyways. Yeah. Recently, I've yeah, been that, to that's more... That's pretty Japanese of him, actually. <clears throat> really? Yeah, I mean, he'll... He'll work till he dies, right? Work is his thing. And death, yeah. anyways, we'll just keep going. <laughs> Recently, I've been to more funerals than weddings, and it made me aware of how limited our time is. On places like Twitter, fans sometimes send me messages like, I really wish you'd make a new Ogre or FF Tactics. When I see messages like this, a part of me thinks, I probably need to make one before I die. So, obviously, the seed is there in his own mind, yeah. that he thinks he needs to come back and do one more. He's had a, a really successful collaboration here recently with Square Enix. So I would think it's not off the table and is actually quite a high possibility that maybe they'll bring him on to do another Final Fantasy Tactics game. Yeah. Um, it would be, be interesting awesome. if they did something a little more along the lines of like a remake of the original. Because um, making a new, like just like updated graphics kind of thing, kind of like what they've been doing for other works. Mm -hmm. um, making a new tactics today. I mean, I'm thinking of XCOM, right? And I'm thinking of Mario sure. Rabbids. And it's not that it's not doable. It's just, I don't know. Square Enix, the way they kind of do things now and the way that they have kind of molded the Final Fantasy name to fit into this high-powered, super good graphics kind of, you know, form, um, it makes me wonder whether or not they'd really push a Final Fantasy tactical game as like a big release. I, I, my guess is it would probably be a smaller one more along the lines of a, like this new Secret of Mana that they mm. put out recently. Something more along those lines. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Even that would be sweet, though, you know? <laughs> a, a re-release of Final Fantasy Tactics with updated visuals. Yeah. Um, because be he does, right he does, that. he does mention something here about uh, like where he would take the story. He doesn't get into super huge detail. Actually, no, that's a bit of a spoiler. I won't actually mention that part of the interview. Anyways, uh, he talks about <coughs> sort of the continuing story of Ramza <coughs> and and the group and stuff like that. Um, so. It would be super cool if they did a tactic sequel. Not too yeah. long ago, I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or not. There were some screenshots released for a Final Fantasy Tactics two, like they had originally been doing, like a hex, um, hexagonal sort of tile structure, which is more like uh, Civilization or something like that. Mm. Um, and they showed some of the character art and stuff like that. Um, so he's had this in his mind, I think, for several months now. Um, and obviously they had kind of started working on one back in the day, but it got canceled pretty quick. So who knows? Who knows? All I know is he's talking about it more than once in the last year, and he's had a good collaboration with Square Enix. The The relationship seems to be good there. Um, yeah. And maybe if he and... Uh, Naoki Yoshida worked together on it again. I mean, that would be like freaking killer. Uh, that would be two of the best directors the company's ever had, you know, yeah. coming together to work on a tactics game would be the greatest thing ever. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> so, anyways, thought I'd comment on that real quick before moving on to the real, the real meat of what we're going to be getting into here. Which is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. FF7R... Okay. Um, Kaysen, everyone probably has seen my video on it yeah. from last week, who's here with us. <laughs> but uh, what were your thoughts and impressions on it uh, upon seeing it? Yeah, there's some stuff I liked and some stuff I didn't like. Um, so I first saw the the preview and the like. The graphics look really nice. I mean, that's that's kind of what I've always thought ever since the first one I saw. I mean, it looks like a really cool, really good game. I don't see a ton. I saw your reaction video too. I don't see a ton of Cloud's redesign. Like, they made subtle tweaks that make a big difference. But they're, they're, it's pretty subtle. It's, it's not that different from what the original model was, I wouldn't say. Um, although his, like... I remember in the very first trailer, like 20 years ago... Um, he, his face when the camera kind of zooms in as he jumps down and he's got that really kind of um, almost like the eyebrows up kind of like a concerned like almost surprised kind of look on his face um, and then you see that a similar look to that when Aerith offers him a flower in this new trailer and he's like what what, what is hold on flower? we're losing you for a second just pause for one second we'll see what happens with the okay uh... Okay, you're back now. You're good. Sorry about that. You're fine. Um, so anyways, the way he looks when he does that, almost that same expression, it's very it's very subtle in my opinion, but it does look better. It definitely looks better. Um, and I see people in the comments are saying uh, Liquid Sword 89 thinks Cloud looks too buff now, if anything, because he looks so skinny before. Um, I don't agree with that. I think he still looks pretty I think he still looks pretty skinny. Um but his design looks great, and I would have been fine with the one before it, too. You mentioned, and I don't know 
Did you look into this? Is the voice actor? There isn't confirmation yet, but I'm freak. I'll get into that. In a, no in confirmation. A bit. Okay, because but I'm I'm certain it's not. He the said same like person. two or three words, <laughs> and based on that, it's like okay, maybe a different voice actor. But I we just don't have enough uh, to go on right there. Um, but he sounds I'm, fine. I think he sounds great. Uh, the game I'm, looks really cool. I'm not a fan of the way it, 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 I don't know if it's the way the game is going to work, but it's the way the trailer worked, which is there is constantly somebody talking like, you know, in tales of symphonia, how mm-hmm. you're fighting in your battle. I think Xenoblade does this a lot. Xenoblade too, everyone's just kind of talking. This. Everyone's just like, Oh, fire fang. And, oh, this, that. And they're just like talking and they're so excited to be fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I got a lot of in this trailer. A lot of Barrett with his exaggerated voice and everybody else with their little snappy one-liners just uh, coming right to the scene, you know, super anime style. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, I would have liked a lot more quiet in the trailer, similar to what we got in that first trailer or the gameplay that we saw earlier. In this one, it just it makes me worried that every battle I get into, we're just going to have people shouting random catchphrases for every different attack that they're doing. Um, Final Fantasy 15 does a little bit of this, um, but it's, I, I wouldn't say it's like terrible, but I, I don't want hardly any of it. Like if you're communicating during a battle, you are being strategic and tactical. You're not just like being flashy and showy. And that's a lot of what I'm seeing there. So that's probably the biggest thing that made me kind of just cringe a little bit. Like the voice acting is, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just not like it's just annoying the way that they made the trailer. And I hope it's just the trailer and not the actual game, but I mean, we'll have to wait and see. So those are my initial impressions based on just watching it a couple of times. Um, It looks sweet. It is not going to be anywhere near as good as the original, nowhere close, but it looks kind of fun. So I'm excited to play it. Cool. Um, and one we can second. go into each of these one at a time. I have, yeah, I have we'll, we're definitely going to do that. There's one thing that you brought up that made me want to quickly look up the scene because I forgot I wanted to pull it up. Yeah. Um, there's an NPC that describes the way that Cloud looks, and I'm trying to find out exactly where that was. I know it's during mm. the cross-dressing section, but that's it was one thing that I remembered I wanted to comment on today. Uh, do, you, do you feel any differently about this over the um, the design or, or, or the way the game looked when the CyberConnect 2 version. I gotta uh, say, not necessarily. I, I don't, I wouldn't say this game looks any better. It might look a little worse than that first trailer that we saw because just seeing Midgar and that camera just kind of dropping down with those huge like lights and you're following behind Cloud and everything looked freaking real, right? But this game... This trailer looks a little bit more like what an actual game might actually look like on the PS4, you know? Um, it looks really good, but I really think that that um, CyberConnect 2, whatever they did, whoever they outsourced that trailer to, um, I think they did a really good job with just the general look of everything. And it was obviously totally pre-rendered and not at all how the game would ever have actually looked were they, you know, with them making it. Um, but... You know, I didn't notice any like huge differences necessarily. Uh, so you're talking about the like initial, yeah, the pre-rendered. Uh, what about the one like after the that? 
where they showed uh like the um, gameplay, the right? whole avalanche team. Yeah. Yeah, and the guy, you're uh what's we're saving the planet, right? Yes, that, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Good. Okay, so it it does look better than that one. Uh, whenever I think of the initial reveal, though, I think of that first trailer from E3 2015, and that that's where it was like, this game looks really good. But obviously, that's not actual gameplay. Um, I I think the the battle system looked incredibly looked very similar. It basically it basically looks the same. It's uh very similar to Final Fantasy 15. Um. But I don't have a ton of thoughts in terms of that. I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily noticed a huge, a vastly different look. I don't know that how much they actually redesigned for this when they brought it in-house. Okay. I don't know if I'll be able to lock down the exact quote from this. I've seen a couple of them that relate to it. But um, for now, I guess people will have to either take my word for it or look it up for themselves when I get into this. Um Oh, Liquid Sword saying it's definitely way different from Final Fantasy 15, though, given the HUD layout. I guess I d- I'm not paying a ton of attention to the layout. There may be some intricacies with how you do special attacks and things. I'm just talking about the way it looks when you're just running up and he's basically just action RPG, just slashing people like Kingdom Hearts. Uh, that's more or less what I'm referring to. But. Okay. So let's first talk about the character redesigns. I'm going to send you. Yeah, I'd love to see some side by sides. Real quick. Um, so that because you talked about how you didn't feel they looked that much different, so I, not in first glance. In in particular, this image right here shows off really well the difference between the 2015 version and the one that we just saw, especially the face. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and put this Let's on the screen it. for these guys as well. Oh wow, that's it's very way different. Very very oh, different. That, he has this like okay, that's very now. Some of it's lighting, some of it could be his just his facial expression. But I did mention before that it's a very similar expression, and that is wow. The yeah, face it's way better now. Holy crap! Yeah. So so before. that that was something that you were saying. I was kind of like okay, hold on. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna make sure to pull this up so he's seeing the difference. Between yeah. The no, two. I I because I they're correctly. very different. He looks quite different and just way, way better. He looks way like better. a real person in 2019. In 2015, he looks like, well, not. <laughs> and <laughs> so, I love how this image includes a, a picture of Cloud from the 97. From the movie. from the original one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> either either one could be that. I mean, who knows? So when I initially saw Cloud's face, for anyone who saw my video live reactions, yeah, I saw it. Understand? I was freaking out about the redesign and how much closer it was to my. I mean, it's hard when you're looking at the goofy. Lego I know. Look guy at the, the original. It's like how do but you? But I'm know thinking. What that like? I'm thinking more about the original concept art. Yeah. And like the the fully. Uh, the the pre-rendered version of him in cutscenes from the original game, as as difficult as it is, with as primitive three D as that was to translate that into something yeah. like this, this is I think the closest design I've seen, maybe outside of the Super Smash Brothers model that I've oh, really I love that, one. that I've really felt like was was captured the essence of the character's face the right yeah. way. Now, this model is really different even from the the Smash Brothers one. Yeah. The Smash Brothers one is leans more to looking anime mm-hmm. than this one which leans more on the realistic side, but of all the realistic 
interpretations of that character. This one to me is far and away the best one. He looks correct yeah. to me now. When I even looking at Advent Children, which I, I think Cloud looks fine. If they just use that model here, I wouldn't have complained at all. Um, but they obviously had changed it for 2015. That didn't quite look as good as the Advent Children model, in my opinion. The 2019 yeah. one looks better, though. It yes. looks better than Advent Children, and that that's yes. something. The the hair is really clumpy yeah. in the in the remake version from 2015. Um, it now looks it looks better now. It looks, I don't know, it just looks more natural. Uh, he looks a lot healthier. Now, this is the part that I wanted to comment yeah. on because there has yeah. been such, there has been this one particular sentiment going around that I, I, I just have disagreed with, but like so many people are latching onto it. Mm -hmm. That the idea that he was in um, uh, uh, essentially a lab inside of a test tube for four years and then he arrives into Midgar he should look sickly and skinny and uh you know like not very healthy and so right. they uh, they they like the cyberconnect 2 version better because it reflected that hollowed out thin sickly look to the character and yeah. and they say that he's supposed to look that way I'm sorry you, to say, you everyone, to <laughs> you are 100% wrong. He is not supposed to look that way. He is described by NPCs in the game, in Midgar, as looking tough, healthy, uh, all, all these sorts of things. And that's mm. what the, the clip I was looking up there. Um, he was not described by anyone as looking scrawny or sick or unhealthy or anything like that. He was described as being a tough guy. He was described as looking like he, everyone believe, looked at him and believed he was ex-soldier. No one questioned that. Right, that's true. And, and without, <clears throat> if you have not played this game, okay, I'm, we're going to be talking about spoilers yeah. in Why this podcast. Why did you even watch the original trailer or this podcast? If you Unavoidable. There will be spoilers. So yes. peace out if you haven't played it and you don't want spoilers. I'm going to have to talk about them when talking about this. Okay? So this this idea that he's supposed to look sickly is just wrong. He was never described that way. He he was exuding this air of confidence and and arrogance and and he was stronger than everyone in the party. He's the one that gives the materia a tutorial to bear it. He was meant to feel experienced and strong and no one is questioning that. And everyone, when yeah. they talk about his appearance, describes him as looking that way. So he's not supposed to look like that. Okay. Now we're, we're getting a few comments kind of on both sides here. Uh, but one of the big ones that I wanted to mention was Capdoc one who says Genova cells technically uh, heal people as in the extreme case with Lucrecia saying she can't die. Sure. Um, so the being exposed to that much Mako while it would make you physically ill, it wouldn't um, necessarily like make you starved, emaciated and look malnourished because it's, it's technically like, I don't know. It's, it's not destroying your body, but it's more preserving it. So 
I just completely dismiss the notion that Cloud is meant to look that way. He's not. And and in so doing, it you could say that it's meant to be a foreshadowing or some kind of um, a, a planting of a seed for the twist later in the story. But I don't I don't agree. I think that he's meant to embody the soldier look and feel and mentality. And then when it's revealed that he wasn't in soldier, that's supposed to flip your world the same way it's flipping clouds world. Right. right. It's not supposed to be obvious. Yeah. So first of all, totally dismiss that notion and, uh, and condemn it (laughs) utterly (laughs) in no uncertain terms. And I love this redesign, which does fill in his face a little bit make his one look a lot healthier his arms are bigger and stronger mm-hmm. but they're not they're not like huge he's not like a bodybuilder he's still pretty thin looking in yeah, fact yeah. he's not he's not too buff i don't think i was gonna pull this up real quick <laughs> barrett's freaking huge yes uh there was actually um if you look at the original concept art there was kind of three versions of cloud i think i found it right here um how do i this is really small. One second. I, I want to pull this up and make it large if I can. Wow, really? Okay, I'm watching the trailer again right now. <laughs> okay. Okay, hold on. I've got this. I'm going to put this on the screen real quick. I'm going to send this to you, actually, as well, Kason, so yeah. you see the thing I'm referencing. There. Sent it to you. Yeah. Um, got it. So I'm going to pull this up. There's kind of like three versions of Cloud there. And I'm going to put it on the screen for people here, right? Oh, yes. Oh, it's already on the screen. Okay. So here we have the middle one is the one that was eventually selected as what they went for with his official um, concept art. You have one on the left that's a little bit more chibi that I think represents a little bit more like what the overworld map characters looked like, even though they they got turned into Legos from this. But on the right... You have one that's a little bit uh, more muscular. Not excessively so, but a little bit. And I'm going to be honest with you. When The first time I saw that years and years ago, I was like, that is, that is my headcanon cloud right there. The athletic, uh, strong, muscular look to him right here. He's, again, he's not like huge. His arms are not freaking huge. I go to the gym a lot. There are tons and tons of dudes out there who are way bigger than this guy right here all i'm yeah. saying is is that he looks athletic he looks capable he looks strong and this version of the character has always been my favorite look for him he's somewhere in between the two of these i feel the the one in the middle and the one on the right in in the new version so i love it i love this iteration of the character i think that he looks fantastic I think he looks true to his original concept art far more than the CyberConnect 2 version did. And I, I love Aerith's face. Um, I think they did a really good job with her. That's a, that's a tough design to not make look really like plain, I guess, in like, you know, when you get all the detail on the clothing and everything like that. I think she looks great. Yeah, her jacket and zipper. and yeah. I like the redesigns of the Avalanche characters with Jesse and um, uh, we have, I think it's Biggs, the two that we saw up close. Jesse in particular, I thought looked really good. 
Yes. Although I that voice acting, the the whole anime part of that whole part of the trailer was where I first was soured though. Where the okay. camera like zooms in and she's like she's like doing a salute and saying her little catchphrase. So why don't we why don't we comment on that since you've brought it up a couple of times now? Sorry, that that um, is a huge obstacle for me. That is a very in my opinion, I look at things like that. That that is that is a big deal for me. That's that makes me like, I really don't like it. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Well, actually, that was actually where I wanted to move next. What's into voice acting from character designs? So I'm really oh, happy with all the character designs. Not just that, the boss designs too. Have you seen the comparisons to the original bosses? To yes. The ones? Uh, somebody shared us some of that yeah. on Twitter actually, and it was looks like, wow, they, this looks like a. It looks really faithful to the original game. Like I, I I'm not holding any ideas in my mind i'm not going to entertain any notions that this is going to be anywhere near as good as the original final fantasy 7 but with the exception of one sephiroth that appears during the trailer at a part where maybe he was sort of hallucinated there and probably maybe wasn't actually there um incredibly faithful in fact somebody put together a trailer using the original clips of everything that we just saw in that trailer and it these are all shots from the original game. None of these shots, except for that one, um, were in, uh, or were are like added, as in were not in the original game. So it's incredibly faithful. The designs, everything. They're they're really doing a good job there. Yeah. So I love all the character designs for the heroes yeah. and for monsters. I think that it's very well realized. I'm very happy with all of it. Now let's get into the voice acting. So. I was pleasantly surprised by it only because I expected to hear Steve Burton's voice, who I've always hated as Cloud. (laughs) I expected to hear, we're here to save the planet. planet. It was so bad in that CyberConnect 2 trailer back in 2015. It's true. It's true. That I had, and, and it's been so bad in Final Fantasy in general for so many years even with great talent like Final Fantasy 13 had, the voice acting was horrible. Even though the actors are good, I think that they have good talent. The directing yeah, that's always is the terrible. Thing. The, the talent isn't usually the problem. It's it's the direction or the the them trying to mimic what was done in the Japanese version, which yeah. should not be done for American games, I, I would say. I felt like most of the voices in Final Fantasy 15 felt very much like you're saying. There's this anime quality to it that just feels cheap it feels weird it feels unnatural Hmm. um i would say the two exceptions are that ray chase as noctis did pretty well and the i forget the guy who plays prompto but prompto surprisingly did not annoy me like i thought he would when i was watching trailers for that yeah and everything leading up to the game he was actually the one who showed the most range of any of the actors in the entire game so i was very very happy with the two of them but i i am i i feel like a lot of people will respond negatively to this but the other two guys gladio and ignis i thought were awful and again the reason is because these actors and and i think i still think it's a directing thing they show no range they stay the same all the time. I mean, to the point where Ignis's intonation 
for every sentence was virtually identical. He would come up and then he'd come down and then he'd come up and then he'd come down. Every yeah. sentence he said went this way. It was it was just like, dude, no one talks like that. No one talks like that. It's so weird. Yeah. It feels like you're trying to do a voice. And Gladio, I saw some behind the scenes with him. Uh, he's just like a freaking like nerd, man. Like he's got a very normal voice, but they're trying to get this guy to sound tough. So he's forcing this gruff, low voice out. Of, and it just sounds wrong. It sounds that's like you're what, trying. That's what I'm hearing from Barrett. By the yes. Way. <laughs> yes. So... Anyways, to kind of come full circle, yeah. it's because I've expected that level of bad voice acting from Final Fantasy in particular, that when yeah. I heard most of these voices and they weren't that bad, <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is yeah. actually surprisingly passable. Now, the exception to this is Barrett, who I felt was hokey and this is where i want because there was someone in my comments section of, of the video i put up who said that it's supposed to be that way barrett is a hokey character right so he's yeah, supposed he's to be over the top the a team uh mr t, mr. t. right yeah. yeah i get that but once you do a realistic portrayal of this stuff yes that's exactly the key that's exactly the key. Yeah. Remember how in Final Fantasy VII, uh, they didn't have any facial animation. There's no nuance really in performance art that you can get from the characters. So they had the characters jumping everywhere. I've mentioned yeah. this in the past. So they would yeah. they would exclaim by jumping really high and jumping down the train and jumping mm -hmm. down the stairs, and they would express their anger or frustration through this jumping animation. Yeah. Okay. That was because of the but limitations. They do this yeah. They and would they do these big, argh, huge <laughs> animation reactions because yeah. you can't see expression in the face. So their way within the limitations that they had on the PlayStation mm -hmm. to express non-verbally what the characters were feeling were through Which is big, very important. <laughs> hokey yeah. animation. Yeah. And that worked. Because we're looking at Lego people, it works. Exactly. And it was charming and it yeah. was funny. But when you start moving in this direction they've chosen, which is we're going to have realistically portrayed characters. If we were doing something more along the lines of Dragon Quest and keeping the anime art style yeah. with big eyes and you can do these big expressions, there would be ways you could still capture that hokiness and it would still work. It would feel right. Yeah, I, I agree. But when you're moving into something that's rendered as realistically as this is meant to be, that's going to start to feel wrong to be that hokey or that much of a caricature or that much of an archetype or whatever, right? And and to me, that's the reason Barrett's voice doesn't feel right. If it was a cartoon I was looking at, I might feel differently. Totally. But it's not. And they're definitely going for this more serious tone with everything. And so you got to get actors that can capture the essence of that character without going too over the top with it because of the format in which we are um, adapting it to. So, for instance, 
the guy who voices Kratos in the latest God of War would have been great. I feel like he has that presence, that deepness, that, that um, I don't know, like groundedness that could also pull off some of the more comedic moments without it being over the top. A voice like that, I feel, would have felt perfectly. Instead, there are some people who are speculating that that voice actor is the same one who did Jet from uh ha, yeah Cowboy i could see that i could see that yeah i don't know if that's true or not i've just seen people saying that again yeah. we have no confirmation on who the voice actors are but barrett just to be brief barrett was one of the voices that bothered me probably the one that bothered me the most but if we're if we're looking at a spectrum here right and over here is really excellent voice acting i mean the best voice acting you can get in video games we're talking about um the last of us we're talking about uh, mm. you know, uncharted. We're talking about like excellent voice acting over here. And we're talking about horrible voice acting over here. I would place Barrett just straight in the middle. It's like just the most average passable, especially within the context of it being Japanese anime, like sure. that you can get it, but it's not making me cringe. Like, Oh, you know, we're here to save the planet. Mickey Mouse wedge, right? That makes me cringe. <laughs> this is not that bad at all. Okay, okay. Um, all the rest of the characters I felt ranged from being slightly above... Uh, okay, so we got Doomaguy saying the voice actor for Jet in Cowboy Bebop was the old Barrett from Advent Children. So actually, I now question whether or not he's actually going to be the same voice actor because... Okay, that's I'll get, where that came from then. I'll get into this in a second too. A lot of people are still holding on to the fact that this is Steve Burton and this is George Newbern and this is all the original cast guys. And it's, it's just not, and I'll get into that in a minute, but, um, in any case, uh, I felt like Aerith in particular was not necessarily, she's definitely not great. And she's in this okay to good range, but it was not distracting and that's what's important to me. It did no. not make me go like, oh, man, that that doesn't sound natural <clears throat> coming out of that face. That, <laughs> There's something you know? about Tetsuya Nomura, though. He, he, he wants, and I don't know what the initial intent was for Aerith's voice, but the way she sounded in this trailer is a slightly, it's better. It's better than Kingdom Hearts, but it still has that, that like unreal softness that she had in Kingdom Hearts, which I did not like at all. It was distracting. Aerith's voice in Kingdom Hearts. In Kingdom Hearts, yes. It was it was bad. It was really bad. And really I don't bad. know who voiced her or who directed it or whose fault that is. But the fact that uh here here we're hearing Aerith's voice again and I'm I'm sensing that Kingdom Hearts like I am just a very soft spoken person. And that may be what was intended. That may be I don't know. But I I, I have a negative reaction <coughs> towards that because of Kingdom Hearts. Like she's just so like soft spoken. It's just I feel like I, I feel sound, like she, I feel like she's, she's soft spoken, yeah. but she's not. But she does have a strength in yes. her voice in this more in this than yeah. King <clears throat> Hearts didn't have that at all. That makes it sound like a person talking and not like a person trying to mm. do a voice. Yeah. <laughs> so while okay, I, I, I guess that's more. I guess that's the best way for me to put it right now. Yeah. It doesn't sound it's like, okay aside from Barrett, aside from Barrett, it doesn't sound like people are, it doesn't come across to me like a person's trying to do a voice. It comes across like a person who may not be the best voice actor in the universe is speaking like a normal person. 
That's what it feels like to me. And that, as much as that is, could be construed as a criticism. It's actually a huge compliment based on <laughs> the history of Final Fantasy's voice it's acting you, and you anime to, voice acting in yeah, general. Yeah. We got to we got to contextualize this. <laughs> you know, come on. It's it's a definitely a step in the right direction. We can we can totally agree on that. Now, Cloud only said four words yeah. in the whole trailer, and already I love it. It just <laughs> fits that character so much better especially than Steve Burton. A lot of people are attached to Steve Burton's voice um, mm. because he's been Cloud for so many years. A lot of people are attached to George Newbern's voice as Sephiroth because um, he's been the voice of Sephiroth for so many years. And this is me repeating myself a little bit here. I think George Newbern has the right timbre, for lack of a better word, the right tone for Sephiroth's voice but zero, zero expression or zero percent of his wild side, which he does get pretty nuts in the game. You think yeah. about his eyes like just like widening as he like pulls the, the I don't know what you call it, the little uh, statue of Genova out and like throws it to the side. Um, he hmm. has a wildness to him in the game hmm. and, and, a, and a menacing factor that George Newborn never, ever, ever captured. He was always just this completely calm, flat, deep voice that never felt menacing, that never expressed any of that potential wildness that could come from Sephiroth at any second. Right. He was almost a little too calm and collected. Yes. Like, always. and <laughs> And if, if they could get him to do that, I think his voice would be great as Sephiroth. So I'm not saying that mm. I'm glad George Newborn isn't going to be well, voicing yeah. Sephiroth, but this again, guy, it's a director thing. Yeah. yeah, this guy who did the voice for Sephiroth, while not maybe having that perfect quality to the, the, the deepness and strength of the voice, at least had just even slightly more, I feel like, passion in like what he was saying he was still pretty even keeled because i think that at that point in the story sephiroth is is more about being in control and and sort of like leading uh cloud you know to the with the reunion instinct uh, to the northern crater so he's more in control at this point but this this voice to me seemed like the guy could express much more of the wild side of Sephiroth back in the Nibelheim incident flashback. So we'll have to hear more from him. I did I, again. I neither loved or hated it, but at least it showed to me some promise of being able to capture that side of the character that George Newbern never, ever, ever captured. For Cloud, yeah. hmm. Steve Burton is a soap opera actor. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. The dude acted in like. General Hospital and freaking just like soap operas. That's that's what he did. And it's so <clears throat> evident in his range. He is so monotone. He is so he's he has no expression. He doesn't do anything other than one tone and one emotion at all times. He's awful. I don't care how attached you are to him. He's bad. He is a bad actor. And you know. <sighs> I, I hate to say that because 
like I feel like when the person gets the right director and and they're given the right direction that you can pull really great things out of people and and I don't want to blame the 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 boring nature of Cloud's VA for the last decade or whatever it's been on him alone when I know direction has been a huge issue but he has been the voice of cloud in several different games that had different directors and his voice has been the same every single freaking time it's not different it never shows any range at all he's been in the movie evan children he's been in crisis core two different directors for that he's been in the the dissidia games different directors for those like kingdom hearts different director for that actually the current director of this game this remake that's coming yeah, out yeah that's true <laughs> but it would have been a different person doing the english localization exactly, direction the english so that's a whole else. element to it that i can't really account for because i don't we know can't. We, we don't know enough about the process but that there is definitely some kind of influence there i guarantee it so he's just not good in my opinion and this guy in four words expressed more range in his vocal intonation than in the entire collective work of Steve Burton as Cloud. And I, I don't understand how people are mad. I don't get it. He wasn't ever good. He wasn't. He was bad. It's baffling to me. Now, yeah. it could very well be that we'll hear more from this guy and he'll be very anime-like, kind of like you're saying, and you know, be too over the top and... That could very well be, but I'm just happy. I'm just stoked out of my mind that it's not Steve Burton, at least. And then we're going to get a different interpretation of the character that sounds younger and more like what I always heard in my head from him. It gives more of that 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 confidence and arrogance to the character that, especially that he exudes in the in the early in the early portion of the game. That's true. He he definitely does that a lot, and he kind of jokes around a little bit too in a way that this advent children cloud doesn't it couldn't pull off <laughs> like it's just doesn't seem to be his character at all and um, i get it it's post all this crazy stuff but there's a lot of comments i wanted to read too um let's get to that in one second there's yeah. one last thing i was going to say and that is that there is no doubt that there's going to be way too much talking in combat sequences just way too much talking in general and there's two reasons for it <laughs> one and I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't think that this is the only way that you can do it. But I know that one of the reasons why they have characters shouting their moves and stuff like that out during battle is to inform the player of what the NPCs are doing. So in Xenoblade Chronicles case, there's a very particular order that you're supposed to establish the, um, the debuffs on the enemies. So before you can do wild down, um, well, before you can do topple, the topple status effect, you have to first apply break, I think it is. So you do break and then topple and then daze. So it's meant to inform the player, I'm doing this move now. So prepare your next move so that you can apply the next uh, status effect and we can keep the chain going. So it's meant to be like, okay, this has been done. I'm going to do this. Okay, now I'm going to prepare to do this one. And then the other character will say, okay, I'm doing this so that you'll know. Because you have to, you have, there's cooldowns on the moves. They take time to replenish mm -hmm. and come back. So you kind of have to plan correctly. Otherwise, you're going to miss your chance to apply the right status effect 
at the right time and right. the chain will be broken. So I get it that that's one of the primary reasons why they do it. You right. can do this in a multitude of other ways other than yeah. having characters <laughs> running around shouting them out loud. It's not the mechanic. It's the, it's the way that they have chosen to implement that mechanic. And uh, I mean, you got to have it stand out, right? It needs to make sense. The player needs to not miss something like that. But geez, you got similar stuff in like the Rainbow Six games. And one of the ways they get around that in Rainbow Six is your character technically has a little earpiece, right? And so when people say, you know, hold on, I'm going in. And then they go in. That was bad voice acting. Don't, you know, but I'm just saying, you know, when people are whispering, giving commands in your ear, it sounds a little bit more like real (laughs) as opposed to people shouting out, you know, all of their special unique moves. There, there definitely is an element to these Japanese RPGs of people working as a team and relying on each other, the strength of your friends to defeat God, right? Yes. <laughs> um, exactly. And so I think there is a, a tendency to be a little bit corny or hokey with that, implementing it into like every possible scenario as well as in battle yeah. where it's like yeah my friends i rely on you to help me win <laughs> exactly. and they all like yeah and they're all pumped about it and they're, okay i'm doing this now <laughs> all right now it's your turn guy we'll each get our little feature and our little anime sla- uh, uh, snapshot and the anime lines <laughs> and then they do the little pose like, yeah yeah that is unfortunately just the nature of anime so that's going to be in the remake hopefully it will not be I mean, I've I've been through some games like you're saying, Tales, the Tales of series, mm-hmm. Xenoblade Chronicles, that are some of the worst offenders of this that exist in the mm-hmm. world. If it's not that bad, I will be happy. Uh, I suppose. I suppose I because I should be too. There's it's, really it's also no the repetition of the whole thing. It's not that yes. there. There's so many different reasons why I hate this. But how many times did you hear Prompto say "Hello, opening"? Yes, and he shoot his gun. Yes, line. like. Every five minutes, he was saying that same line again, over and over and over in a very annoying way, I might add. It's just so, like, it's just, maybe a few times, but every battle, he has to say that exact same line in that exact same way over and over again. It just bugs me. Well, I've been a proponent for years now of just not having characters say things if it means that it's going to be repeated in yes. the game because like it's uh, immersion breaking like in skyrim i hate it when you pass npcs and they repeat the same things to you over and over <laughs> yeah. again it, right? yeah yeah it's, it's very just, immersion breaking to them they feel like well it's not natural to have the characters say nothing but it is though it is, it is. you walk it's around incredibly natural <laughs> you walk around in a city <laughs> in real life no one's going to stop you and and just comment on you as you pass through the town like what the if like blah 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 or have you heard about this and that sometimes it's being used as a way to cue the player that they need to go see this person in order to get like a quest and and i get i get that i guess but i would rather have npcs say absolutely nothing to me unless i approach them and engage on purpose I would rather have them say nothing than repeat the same freaking thing over and over and over again. And yes, in battles where you're doing the same moves because you have a limited move set, a limited set of abilities, they're going to say the same. It would be one thing if you recorded the same line, 
700 times and you would almost never hear the same way twice it's, it's the way it's it's not what he says it's the way that it's said almost <laughs> they're, yeah. they're never going to do that all the disk space required to have that much audio in the game would be stupid it would yeah. be a waste of time and and resources right. so just have them say nothing just have them grunt because they do lots of grunts sure oh ah yeah uh, uh. like they, they'll record a bunch of those just have that anyways i'm with you on that so okay cool <laughs> what are people saying that you wanted to comment? There is one comment that I that makes me kind of rethink all of the critiques that we've had so far. I don't know if it'll change your mind much, but it did change mine a little bit. Okay. And that is Swan Knight 14 says, I don't like English voice acting for this kind of media. And it made me realize, is there gonna be a Japanese switch? Have you seen have you seen the Japanese version of the trailer? No. It's for great. Reason, you should watch it. I never even I, <laughs> I imagine that there will be an option for Japanese and English voices. They've been so doing that a lot lately. Doing, exactly. They've been doing that lately. And that's, see, because I, I also watch anime. It sounds like I'm just ragging on all these anime things. I watch anime and I, I, I deal with all the weird silliness. But when you watch something in Japanese, it doesn't have the same impact is when you hear those same things spoken by somebody speaking English. I, sure. I don't know exactly why, but even, even in Japanese live action movies, it's not uncommon for like somebody to be like, and like to be very like expressive, very expressive and very theatrical and, and very like over emotional, like just to explode and to get really in a way that kind of like Barrett's voice acting in this trailer yes. kind of sounds like. Mm -hmm. And it's like in the Japanese, that probably won't sound as strange to me as it does in English. And that is one way that would really help me overcome this barrier. Uh, if the voice acting is like you're suggesting going to be, you know, just constantly going. If I change that to Japanese, it's something that my ears will not be so harsh towards, I suppose. So, so Heon, Heon says, I watched Lord of the Rings in Japanese recently. So anime. <laughs> the, the Japanese voiceovers oh, of hey. on top of Lord of the Rings were very much that way. So that's oh, funny. That's awesome. <laughs> now, now, this is something key to bring up, and it's something that we've talked about in the past too. Japanese acting performance art as a whole has, in its cultural history, developed into being very over the top and expressive they're not necessarily attempting or even not necessarily even appreciating the attempt for nuanced realism in a performance it's true a lot they're of that goes back to uh like old kabuki theater and just yes. the way that japanese media has grown it's so much more melodramatic and theatrical than almost anywhere else in the world that you go and they've retained that so much and they're proud of it. And it's cool. It really is cool. It's just the rest of most people elsewhere in the world have, have kind of moved on to more things like method acting and finding sure. this uh, cinema verite, the French, the, the like realistic mm. type of stuff. Whereas you, you lose a lot of performance aspects. Like there's a reason back in the 1950s and, and 40s and 60s, like people like Fred Astaire, right? They weren't just actors. They were dancers. They were singers. They were just performers of all mm -hmm. different kinds, right? Mm -hmm. You still get that in Japan and places like Korea. You don't get that as much here. The, the people who are just so talented and they're just a one-stop show, you know, just a one-man show. It's like, no, they're realistic actors and that's what they do. So anyways, 
um, watching watching or playing this game in Japanese will will be a huge huge plus if if that option's available. Well, to a, to an absolutely enormous extent, I agree, and yeah. it is it has been strange not not strange it's been interesting to watch as Japanese uh, cool Japan sort of initiative yes. Japanese culture mm -hmm. has tried to extend all over the world and become a global thing how at least in my own language and my own culture they have tried to interpret that type of cultural acting and for the most part they've just tried to been to be faithful to, to just replicate it in English yeah, and it comes across feeling cringy, yeah. strange, way too over the top. It's, it's something that should stop. They should stop doing that. And as much as I love a direct transliteration, like a a real faithful transliteration to the original Japanese, just for purposes of me studying the language and making those connections, it is a bad idea, and it needs to stop because it is not. It it doesn't work in in. English. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would go all the way there because I do think that there are some some really like niche um Japanese like RPGs and, and anime that are really just very silly at their core already. Actually that's true. It, it's still yeah. it that it that that still works in English. I'm not going to watch it because it's just not my thing, but for the people sure. who are into it, that I think that's a very big part of its charm that's a good point it's it's the realistic it's the in that are trying to be realistic still doing that the tone huge problem for something that has the tone of i don't know like akira or even final fantasy 7 or ghost in the shell or yeah, yeah. berserk or something like that right like that's where i think you've got to you've got to tone it down and and bring some more realism into the performances from the English actors particularly. But I did want to comment on the fact that when I hear that over the top samurai Japanese guy freaking out, you know what I mean? Yeah. When I hear that in Japanese, I smile not because I think it's weird or that I, I think it's so, Oh, that's so over the top, I but because <laughs> cult Japanese culture is so charming and there is a humor that can be found even in serious moments by their over-the-top expression. And mm. I find that very charming about their culture. So when I watch Advent Children in Japanese, I find it to be an enjoyable experience. Me too. Me despite so. the fact that I have so many problems with the story and with Cloud's yeah. character development and with all a bunch of other stuff, I still find it to be an enjoyable experience in Japanese. I watch it in English. I can't finish it because the voices are so bad and they're so wrong and they feel so awkward, even though they're attempting some of the same over-the-top expression. And I think that's just a cultural barrier that is tough to translate accurately into English because we don't have it. It's not part yes. of who we are, but it's a huge part of who they are. And so yes, yes. <laughs> when I hear them expressing it in their native language, I accept it. My ear accepts it. And I go, that's actually awesome. And I, and I, I feel, I, I interpret the over the top nature of the, of the performance as I think Japanese people interpret it. Um, but when I hear an English guy trying to do it, 
<laughs> it's just, I can't. It's just my ears reject that. It's just, yeah. it doesn't, it's not part of my culture. It's incredibly unnatural, yeah. So if there is an option for Japanese voice acting, I agree I will probably enjoy it more in Japanese. And I think that's the reason why. Not because the actors are better in Japan than they are in English, <laughs> yeah. but because of that cultural difference. Um, um, so Liquid Sword has, has been saying some things. Oh, a few people are saying Barrett's voice acting. They d- don't have a problem with it. Uh, there's just going to be a, definitely a huge split here. Um, saying Barrett needs an... Uh, Chris Gwynn says Barrett needs an animated style voice or he doesn't think that his character is going to work. And um, it depends on how they do it. But I, I kind of disagree with that just a little bit because of how I think it will work better to have a more realistic voice. Uh, we got a subscription from Mr. Sanchez. Thank you very much for the mm-hmm. Twitch Prime subscription. Uh, what Ozymist says here, 12 definitely had one of the best localizations in gaming in, in the gaming in gaming history. And that I agree with. Of all the Final Fantasy voice acted games, 12 is easily the best. And it's and it is literally because Alexander O. Smith loves to take liberties like that in translating not just the words, changing the words and the wording if necessary to reflect the the tastes and uh, I guess just the, the the culture of of the language it's going into, but they did the same with the voice acting. And to me, twelve is by far the most natural in terms of voice acting. It's actually quite strong. It's not perfect. It's not the best voice acting ever. There are examples in gaming of better voice acting, but when it comes to a Japanese adapted game into English, it's one of the strongest I've ever seen. So I I absolutely absolutely agree with that. So let's move on from voice acting now into the battle system. I'm watching it in Japanese right now, by the way. How do you, how do you feel about it? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I am playing this game in Japanese. Sorry. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. It, it feels um, more natural. It doesn't. And it's partly because Japanese is not my native tongue. And so anytime you have awkward lines that are spoken and you're reading the lines and you're just hearing something that I don't know. I like, I speak Japanese. I know everything they're saying, but it, I don't get all the perfect nuances that somebody native to J- Japan would, 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 you know, sure. uh, you know, interpret or I guess internalize differently than I am. And so it just sounds so much better. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to just play through the trailer from the beginning and I'm going to pause it on certain battle scenes and sort of point out some stuff that I thought was really cool. Um, so let's just kind of watch it, I guess here for a second and I'll let you know, where I'm pausing. Okay. Should be exactly the same even if you're watching the Japanese version, right? I will be. Because it's the same length, the minute 12. Yeah, it appears to be the exact same, yeah. Okay, so this first shot after it cuts from Eris away from uh, the two soldiers pointing the gun at Cloud. Yeah. And he pulls out his sword. I think it's been made pretty clear that's, that is right after he's jumped off the train. That you can, ac- yeah, yeah. you can actually see Barrett's silhouette here in the right side as the sh- soldier's running at him and the camera sort of zooming around to Cloud's back. You can see Barrett running past them. That, that was always so funny to me in the original game where Barrett's running and he just literally runs past two guards. Two guards just completely like sidestep him and come running at Cloud instead of just let him pass. <laughs> <laughs> so that appears to be exactly what's happening here. Barrett's yeah, just exactly. running straight past him. The dudes totally ignore him. And they come running at Cloud. I'm telling you, this is this appears to be the most faithful remake that yes. I've ever seen done with very little added by the side. That well, con- that is crazy. Cons- 
considering the fact that it's not even the same type of game. This is an action game. I know. Not a turn-based game. But it seems to be very faithful, even the little details like that. And this is also part of the reason why, to me, I'm more excited about the game than maybe a lot of people have been. And I'm going to get into the criticisms people have had in a minute. But I loved that. I loved seeing Barrett just just booking it past those guards. They just don't even care. They don't look at him sideways. They don't shoot at him. They come straight at Cloud. I freaking loved that. That brought a smile to my face. Oh, that's great. Um, So... Uh, the next one shows the guard scorpion um, launching some missiles, which appears to be uh, reminiscent to me of the way Crisis Core's battled, battles worked, where often the the combat would get interrupted by like a little cutscene, uh. like a summon animation or something like that. Um, because you have the UI elements of the battle system here at the bottom, but this looks like a cutscene. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I was not a fan of that, by the way, in Crisis Core, with how often the, the, the combat was interrupted by these long animation sequences. Yeah. And so that concerns me a little bit. If it's a thing that happens once in a while in a boss fight, I'll be okay with it. It'll add some flash and flair. But it, the more you're taking away control from the, from the player to like play a little cutscene, it breaks the flow of combat, and to me it will hurt it. So hopefully this is just for for special boss moves or something like that that won't happen that frequently. Um, but one thing I want to bring up too, while we're looking at the UI, is uh, some of the bars and and meters and things over on the right side. So you have uh, the name of the character Barrett and Cloud in two different little windows. Right. You have obviously their HP here, which is pretty high for this early in the game. They have over 1,000 HP or close to 1,000 HP already right at the start of the game. I wonder about that. So this leads me to believe that numbers... You remember how uh, we always talk about how we like Mario RPG having low numbers for damage? Um, This is going to be, I I think, in the Final Fantasy XIII range of hundreds of thousands of damage towards the the end of the game. And as a visual representation of power that I've always thought was a little bit cheap, but a nitpick for me. But on top of that, we have these two blue bars underneath the HP. And uh, I think that those are tied directly to the triangle button. If you look on the left, you see that Cloud has an attack called Punisher. Barrett has a different one, which we'll look at in a minute. But these are unique to the characters. These are character-specific abilities. And it seems to me that that blue bar down there is what's going to be tied to the use of 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 those special abilities on the triangle button um we'll see in a minute uh more evidence for that but then on the right side we have the other number 25 or 29 i think that's mp and then below that another um bar which we'll see later is it a yellow in color as it fills up and i'm pretty sure that is the um that is the limit break bar Mm. so those are what all the elements are it's it's pretty apparent there is no atb here so there's no atb bar that fills up and uh and um you know you have to wait for your attack for a cooldown before you can attack again right so you should be able to just attack with regularity with the square button as we see it's uh down there in the right so just wanted to point all that out before we get a little bit deeper into this that menu on the bottom left by the way looks a lot like kingdom hearts and i was going to point to that too we'll get to that in a minute Okay, so we have this sequence of him trying to escape. Okay, so now we have Barrett shooting some stuff. We get a little bit clearer view here. Um, Tifa is in the party, by the way. Really cool. 
uh, you see the yellow bars in the bottom right now are filling up. So that, that to me is the limit break. You're going to take damage. That bar will fill up until you get your limit break move. Um, but the back blast is Barrett's unique, uh, unique move that he has tied to the triangle button. This is new. This is not from the original Final Fantasy VII battle system. This seems to be a new element. Um, but you also see at the very bottom of that list, it's a little hard because I've got my screen paused so the the play button is kind of up on the screen but you see commands menu as tied to circle there and in a second we're going to see what happens i believe when you press that button the commands menu button okay now the very next shot we have cloud doing this front flip slice and you I'm see that the dealer in super slow-mo by the way okay is it the crazy? physics do not work at all when <laughs> in slow motion when he's doing that front flipping jumps, okay literally freezes in the air while he flips and then he comes back down now that you see that we have clouds commands menu here right um so it looks to me like he pressed circle and we've gone away from that initial top menu and now we're in his commands menu um so there are there are uh, potions there tied to circle and we have braver which is a limit break First limit. Um, assigned to uh, square there. Now his and limit break is full. Yeah, you can see full. in the corner. So he could probably use Braver there if he wanted to, but he I don't think he's currently using Braver as that front flipping slice move that he does because look at his blue bar. You see how one of them is empty now? Ah, uh, so he probably used a different... I think he used his Punisher move. That's what that, that front flip blue attack was, is his is his Punisher move. And he comes down and lands that, and then it, that depleted that first blue bar on the right side. Um, what's also really great about this is, is we see L2 and R2 can switch you mid-battle to either Barrett or Tifa. So in the middle of battle, you can switch characters. With now, L2 and R2. Does that switch characters, or is this just the commands menu where instead of switching a different character, you just switch to give a command, as in special limit potion, to uh, your secondary character? I suppose that's a fair point. It could be that instead. But we did see the player character in the last shot as Barrett. So we at least know you can switch characters. Whether it's mid-battle, I, I suppose, is we have to wait to confirm. But it's, but I think they did say at some point in the past that you will be able to do character switching in battle. Which so is, which is cool. My, um, my guess... Because Cloud isn't always um, yes. there. He's not always in the party, so you've got to be able to play as other people. So my assumption there would be that R2 and L2 will not just switch you to give commands to the others, though that would be very Final Fantasy XII-esque, right? Where you could just like give commands to other people. Mm. But um, I think you'll also be able to switch between characters. The other element there is the L1 button, which says shortcuts. So you can probably set up, I'm assuming, materia abilities or maybe items like potion. You can press L1 and like go to a shortcut menu that you've customized and be able to quickly do something uh, right at right at the moment. Uh, another thing I want to point out, if we can get a good look at Cloud's sword, actually, let's just look at one a little bit later because it'll be more clear later. So, so I like that. Get to Eris here, talking to Cloud. Love Cloud's voice. Got to just comment on that again. <laughs> Love his design. His redesign's fantastic. Okay, then we're going to get the apps uh, boss, which is super cool from underneath Don Corneo's mansion. 
Okay, now, if you can pause it at the right time and take a look at Cloud's Buster Sword, it might be a little too compressed on YouTube. But there have been screenshots I've seen where you can tell he's got a materia. There it is. On on one oh. on the one frame that I have here, he's got a green magic materia inside of one of the slots. So there were some people who were saying, oh, they didn't show anything about the materia in this. Uh, uh, it's just going to be a hack and slash yeah. action battle system. Calm down, fellas. They're not going to forego materia, okay? <laughs> uh, but just because there's materia doesn't mean it's not hack and slash. I, I throw <laughs> That's also true. That's also true. But um, he has materia inside of his uh, slot there. So it seems to me like the equipment is still going to be where you're going to slot your materia. You'll be limited by how much materia you can carry on a person by their equipment. Rather than in Advent Children, remember where they just like put the materia, like it just yeah. dissolved into his arm or whatever? Yeah. Like, what the fetch was that? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Maybe uh, they're gloves because they're fighters, right? Like Tifa. So just, whatever. I, I don't know. Hand. <laughs> but it seems to me the materia will still be equipped into the uh, the actual weapons and armor, which is great. So you'll still have similar limitations to how many or if you can link them or not. Um, should work almost identically to how it did in the first game. It's just that using materia will probably be used through the commands menu with circle down there in the bottom left. Um, here we see cloud blocking damage. So he's walking and the, the big uh, sweeper sort of sweeps at him and you see that the, the damage is in red when he blocked it versus where it's normally... Well, actually, no. I think it's red for Barrett up here too. 241 he took but anyways it says blocked on top of it which means that he says blocked <laughs> so he reduced damage by blocking so you will be able to block there will be a button for blocking damage um i assume also that there will probably be some form of dodge roll um you can see also that we have a, a reticle that is targeting the enemy so he's locked onto the enemy uh, now there's been there's been a number of um different people speculating on like the nature of the combat system hmm. um and whether or not it's going to be like dissidia or whether it's going to be more like kingdom hearts um or whether it's going to be more like crisis core um now what this looks like to me is something more akin to Crisis Core. Not necessarily exactly like Crisis Core, but more in that direction than necessarily in the Kingdom Hearts direction. I think the menus are very reminiscent of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, very much. I do wonder about how much freedom of movement the characters are going to have and exactly like what kind of immediate input, you know, like um, like a, a, a very much a heavy action game like Kingdom Hearts 2 or Dark Souls, where you need that immediate feedback. I click the button, the character swings the sword as soon as I press it. In, in, the, in Crisis Core, when you locked onto an enemy that was distant from you, and you pressed the attack button, he would actually kind of like lock and run over to the character he was locked on, and then attack it. He didn't just swing at the air, he like was locked to that guy over there, so he sort of ran over there on his own, and did an attack when I told him to attack. To me, this feels similar hmm. in that uh, when you select, when you're locked onto a guy like that and you press that button, he's going to kind of like lunge towards it and attack rather than just like swinging 
immediate for immediate feedback in the air. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, even like the blocking and everything reminds me a bit of Crisis Core's mechanics. I'm not saying it's going to play slow and uh, a little bit, um, I would even say clumsy like Crisis Core's feels, because they have said that they're not going fully like high speed like Dissidia, but they said they're kind of doing some kind of hybrid thing in between like a Kingdom Hearts and a Dissidia. But I think there's also some elements of Crisis Core's movement worked into this, which leads me to believe that it will actually maybe be able to nail that feel between it being a command based system where you're entering commands on a menu and you're not meant to be like every single step that character takes, you're directing them with the stick and, mm. and you know what I mean? So I think that they're going to try and find some sort of space in between those two. That could lead to a pretty, um, pretty wide variance in like gameplay styles and options, like how sure. exactly you want to play the game and you could give commands and switch to a new character and give a different command and they go, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's what I got from that. Because you see how he lunges towards him. If you go back, he's blocking, right? He's blocking the attack. And then um, all of a sudden we see the attack happen and he just lunges at it. He just, whoop, like he almost like just whoom, like zooms forward till, he, till he's in range to hit it. And then the swings start happening. Now, one thing I want to bring up right away is that people were saying, I, th I think people are so cynical in this day and age. They see something and they just react to it based on just an initial shallow impression. And I saw so many people saying, oh, it's just Final Fantasy 15 all over again because it's not turn-based, right? Because it's an action-based system. Of course. And they're like, this is just be a freaking Final Fantasy 15 mod. That's all this is. These people having a, a strong emotional reaction. We're hoping for turn-based combat, I'm sure. But if you look at the attack button in the bottom left corner, when Cloud goes forward, you see that it highlights in like a bluish hue when he presses attack and that he hi it highlights multiple times, right? It's bum, 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 bum. Like dude is clicking that button multiple times. In Final Fantasy 15, you could hold down the attack button and not press it over and over again due to combo, you just hold it. This, to me, suggests yeah. it will not be the same as Final Fantasy XV. He's not just holding down the attack button or holding down the dodge button to dodge. You have to actually press them in sequence. Now, he's just rapidly pressing, like, bop, 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 bop. and I, I do that sometimes when I'm feeling like a, a tense situation in a video. I'm like, attack, 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 and I just, like, press it really fast. You've got a successful block in, and it's like, hey, you yes. got to take advantage. There's an opening only right now. Make sure you get it. Do it, do it, do it. So this is not to say for sure that it won't also be holding the button, but it just is strange to me that a developer who is recording the footage for this uh would have, instead of holding the button, if that was the feature, would have sat there rapidly pressing it. Yeah. So to me, it's obvious that you press the button in succession to execute the attacks. You don't hold them down like in Final Fantasy XV. And anyone making comparisons to Final Fantasy Final Fantasy XV's battle system, I mean, the, just from the things that we've looked at so far here in the last few minutes, it's obviously not the same. It's not even close to the same. Uh the menu system is more like Kingdom Hearts. Uh, movement appears to be different. Um, attacking in succession. A whole commands menu with a lot of different options there. 
this is not Final Fantasy XV's battle system. So don't, you know, don't freak out too much yet. Uh, we lost Case, and he should be back in a minute, hopefully. Okay, we have we have Barrett there using Backblast. Uh, we can see that that was clicked, but uh, this is one thing that's weird to me, is that the blue bar doesn't deplete when he uses it. His blue bar is still full. So that that is the one shot in the entire trailer that makes me question, like, wait a minute. Is that really for that? Because he, he, you can see it's highlighted here. He's pressing triangle, and he's using Backblast. But the blue bar didn't deplete over here at all. So maybe that's not what the blue bars are for. Maybe they're for something totally different. I have no idea. Okay, we have Cloud using Cross Slash here, uh, which is the second limit break for that character in the game. And you also see that his limit gauge is all the way depleted. So that leads me to believe it went back to zero when he, when he used the Cross Slash ability here. Uh, I think for the rest of the trailer, it's pretty much just... Okay, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. Okay, you're back. So I think the only thing you missed from me... Uh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I can hear you now. So the only thing I said was, this is not Final Fantasy XV's battle system. It's yeah, nothing like it. it appears to be pretty different. Um, but I also said that if you look at uh, Barrett shooting there... Mm -hmm. A lot of people thought that this was Big Shot, his first limit break in the game. But you can see clearly that he actually is pressing the triangle button for backblast there. You see it highlight the same way the attack uh, yeah. highlighted before. But also notice how the blue bar on the right side does not go down when he uses backblast. Huh. So I have I, 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 that makes me question what those blue bars are because it seemed well, well, like... Well, hold maybe... on, because his limit is all the way down. Now, there is... Okay, so in Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> you can execute a special attack by going into the menu and going to the proper place or mm -hmm. by clicking, you know, pushing R or L1, or I can't remember exactly how it works. Or you could just push triangle. It kind of, it, triangle isn't an, is an, like an action. It's a button that just kind of whatever the new thing, like you played um, point two, right? Um yes. Earth by Sleep, point two yes. fragmentary passage. Mm -hmm. And the the triangle button, what it is changes depending on what you're doing at the time. Oh, right. right. Yes. So yes. it could be that this triangle is if you have a special available, it's the special. If you have a limit available, it's the limit. If you have neither oh, available, then it's interesting. something else, right? Interesting. It could be a, a joint attack with somebody I else see that. that's limited use, limited time. So it could be something like that. That I, I think both. that it could be possible. Because we I mean, when we come into the shot, he's already started the animation like the person has clicked the triangle button very obviously but i wonder if if that if the word that was on there switched back to backblast after he used it and maybe maybe it was his limit huh. break before <laughs> i don't know that's a good question i did actually didn't consider that who knows just kingdom i'm seeing a lot of kingdom hearts here is all i'm saying <laughs> Okay, and uh, and then I just said we saw Cloud using Cross Slash, his second limit break. Uh, oh, and on his that weird his, snake thing? Yeah, his limit break is depleted as well when that's happening. So it's very clearly a limit break he's using. Uh, that move that is way cooler in Smash Brothers. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, and I think... So I'm going to pause on the, the timer. You see the timer there. We'll come back to that um, in a little bit. But um, as far as combat mechanics go, um, from what I saw there... Um, it seems to me like this is sort of a 
I mean, we've seen them. We've seen Crisis Core. We've seen Kingdom Hearts, and it seems to me like it's they're kind of pulling from both sources to create something for this. Um, let's read some comments. Let's see if we can go back. Uh, Doom guy says, "I don't think he's using backblast there. He just used big shot and is mashing backblast immediately after." And I don't think triangle skills take up the blue bar. Um, possibly, mm-hmm. uh, I, if that's the case, we don't know what that blue bar is for. So yeah. who knows? Um, <laughs> MP. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Heon says the blue bars are always present underneath the command prompt as well. Yeah, and but they it's correspond by the YouTube play bar. Yeah. Um, again, the blue bars are tied to commands. Man, look at the command menu. Let's take a look at that real quick. Let's head back here. But, but some of the commands are are simple things like potion. Oh like, yes, I, I see that now. So you see, we're in commands menu. There's two blue bars underneath the commands menu. Yeah, I see it. And that that correlates that yeah they with correspond the two blue bars with each person. So maybe that's materia or some kind of uh, yeah magic or something like that. Well, magic. But, would but still the thing be MP, is, what think, options but... are under commands menu? Because there's a ton of options. There's there's just normal. Well, there's your limit, I guess. But there's also just like using a potion. Uh, there's also other slots that weren't filled when we saw it earlier. So it could just be the commands menu could be multiple things, and that that's just an extra indicator underneath it showing you what whatever the blue bar means. I, I wouldn't take it to mean anything super special. Is all I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, it but mean, it, but it it's ob- it's obviously tied to commands, not to the triangle attack. So um, the blue bars. Yeah, my point is the commands could be the triangle attack. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right, because when you click commands, you see the limit, you see the potions, you see like you hit O, and then you see what essentially looks like a commands menu, right? When did we well, see yeah, we what well, we we did see the um the when you click the commands menu, we saw limit breaks pop up in there. I don't know if there you Punisher... go. 20, 22 seconds in, is that the commands that we're seeing, or are we seeing something else? Maybe oh, we are seeing something in that else. shot with Cloud. Yeah, with Cloud and Barrett at twenty two seconds, I'm seeing. So yeah, when when that when the the menu changes in the bottom left, yeah, you see, I, I was assuming I, I, that was the commands menu. I think that is the commands menu. Okay. So when you click the commands menu, there are other. Yeah. Other things that you can tie to other like potions. things there. I, I would I, assume I material tied to that blue bar, but there is also the limit there. Anyways, I'm just, saying. yeah, the limits there, but you're right. Maybe, um, Punisher or Backblast could be also included in the commands menu. I'm not sure. I'm not Beyond sure. saying that's the shortcut menu, which is how it works in Kingdom Hearts as well. Maybe it's a different button you hold. Oh, so so he maybe L1 pressed or L2. He, he pressed the commands menu with circle, but then he pressed L1, and now we're seeing the L1 shortcut menu. That's what we're seeing. Something like because that. because there are things that are not tied to it, like the triangle button's empty, the X button is empty, which means that that's customizable. The person didn't put something into those slots yet. So I agree. Which and, makes sense if it's a short. That's how Kingdom Hearts works. So that's I really agree cool. that that is the shortcuts menu that we're looking at there, which is another okay, so layer underneath. Possibly the not menu. the commands menu. Maybe, but because it, in but, Kingdom Hearts you just hold L one and it switches what all your buttons do. Yeah, or L two. But I do think it's clear that uh, that those blue bars are tied to using commands from Circle. That sure. seems to be the case. So, okay. Um, anyways, that's uh, that's where we're at in terms of uh, analyzing the battle system. 
Um, they haven't shown off much of the commands menu yet, as Agent Poyo is pointing out. They'll probably get into that more in the yeah. uh, in the trailer they show at E3. That's probably true. But Ozymus, did you read what he says? He says the blue bars seem like the ATB or gauge from Lightning Returns or from Final Fantasy 13, right? Yeah, I don't think so because they're not. You don't see them filling up over time ever. Um, um, I suppose not. Like in even the even in the shot where it shows it depleted, like you don't see it like going up with time. So I don't think it's an ATB thing. Okay, I could be wrong about that. That that is an interesting thing to point out. I don't. It does I look similar. Generally, I wouldn't the fact rule that out two the, bars. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of it being tied to some form of cooldown for commands, which is essentially the same thing as an ATB, anyways. But I don't know if it'll function the same way as in you wait and it just fills up rather than it being more like, oh, you do it a certain number of attacks and it fills up as you attack the enemies. That was kind of the difference between the way that um, cooldown worked in Xenoblade Chronicles and then Xenoblade Chronicles 2. In Xenoblade Chronicles 1, you use an attack and then there's a wait time, a cooldown of like 10 seconds, 15 seconds before you can use it again. Um in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, they fill up as you land physical attacks. My assumption is that it will be the latter in this game. That as you land attacks, that the blue bar will fill up and then you can use more commands again. Rather than it being tied to, okay, you just wait a certain amount of time and they'll fill up. Uh, Heon says, in the OG gameplay trailer, those bars filled with attacks. So I, I assume that that's, that's how it's going to be in this one too. Yeah, probably. Uh, Vesalia says, will summons just happen at random times like FF15? I, I hope, hope not. not. <laughs> I really hope not. Well, yeah. I guess you had to hold down the button for summons, but they would appear. You, you didn't have a lot of control over when you could initiate it. It would just, okay, yeah. now you can use a summon, hold that button down, and you could use it. Um, but I, we don't know. We don't know. I really hope I, not. I, I also... You know, in the interest of just continuing our conversation from earlier about how this game is going for more realism clearly yeah. uh summons are a pretty big obstacle the way even in sure. 15 the way that they function is they come out of nowhere they destroy the whole planet and then they leave and nothing ever happened and your enemies kind of get damaged a little bit you know i um, I, I i i love the summons but i wouldn't mind seeing a final fantasy with more toned down summons i guess yeah um i i really hated the dmv is that what it's called? DMF, DMV, uh, the little slot machine in Crisis Core that constantly <laughs> yeah. and constantly and completely oh randomly interrupted you with it bull was so crap. annoying. Oh, it sucked. And it was if predetermined they, whether it would actually do the, the three in a row or not. Yeah, depending on how many enemies you've killed, you yeah. know, you have a higher chance of leveling up, stuff like that. That thing was constantly showing up. That was, oh, it was like, a, it was like an arcade it. machine, like a slot machine. It was terrible. It's freaking Pachinko in my FF7. Exactly. Get the F out of here. DMW, DMW was it called. Yes, I hated it. And so if, yeah. if they have even just something that feels like that where you're playing and then all of a sudden the, the action gets completely interrupted out of nowhere and you just watch this animation, you have no control over, especially if it's your own abilities, I will be furious. Do not do that. If, yeah. it's, the, if it's the boss, the special boss move, I'll accept it here and there. But if sure, my... occasionally is fine. But if it's a yeah. constant thing... No. Screw that, dude. Screw also, that. also, if any of my abilities are randomized and they come out and I don't initiate them, I will hate it. 
So let's hope that that's yeah. not that that's not the case. Um, okay. The only last thing I wanted to talk about with Battle System was that there were many, many, many people. Actually, you know what? I'll hold off on that. Let's go back to let's go to tone and spirit first. Yeah. Um, and this the first thing I want to point out is is not necessarily related directly to that, but it is still something that I want to talk about um, that I thought was kind of interesting. So I'm going to bring this up in context of when we see Sephiroth in the trailer at the end. We see a bomb counting down here, which what looks yeah. to me like a pillar, like a concrete pillar. Which yeah. suggests to me this is... And then you the, see a crumbling structure, yes. right? Then we see a crumbling structure, and we see Sephiroth Everything's here talking red, to like Cloud. it's on fire, yeah. We see also paint in the road. This is definitely concrete, a road that they are on, a broken-up road. And Sephiroth's talking to him. To me, this appearance of Sephiroth is after the Sector 7 collapse... And Cloud is hallucinating this. Now, there have been a lot of people who have been debating about... Um, right. is, this, is this the reactor? Well, the, well, this would be an appearance of Sephiroth before his appearance in the game. Yes. Because his appearance in the game was perfectly handled. I'm going to get into that Very in a minute. Well. But I want to show a screenshot real quick that uh, I think uh, the livestream.net uh, tweeted... Let me see if I can find it. Um, live stream. Uh, let me see here. There's a, um, a screenshot from the original game right after the Sector 7 plate collapses. So right after all that has happened. Um, did I retweet it? Maybe I can find it on my own wall because he's posted a lot of stuff here. But the, it's the first mention of Sephiroth's name in the whole game. Cloud just kind of says to himself, Sephiroth. Um, he's thinking about something there. Yeah. Um, related Clearly. to Sephiroth. And that, that does happen multiple times. He, he fades in and out of these, these like hazy memories that he has several yes. times before we see any of his, his past. Okay. I'm not seeing it. Maybe I retweeted it. Let me see if I can pull it up. Anyways, otherwise you'll have to take my word. Okay. It's right here. Found it. It was actually Joseph Knight's Twitter. So uh, let me send this to you, Kason, so you can see what I'm looking see at. It. This, to me, seemed like the best explanation for it. Uh, there you go. Uh, pull the screenshot back up again. So on the left, we see a broken road with those wide that. painted lines like that. Yeah. And a bro it's broken up. And this is just outside of the screen where you would enter Sector 7, where they, they swing on the rope and then, and then Barrett runs back to the, all the, uh, the, you know, the wreckage and he's, he's shooting at it and punching at it and stuff like that. Yeah. This is one screen away from that. And you see Cloud here for the first time in the game mentoning the name of Sephiroth. And, and it's a question mark. Did, is Sephiroth? Like, so to me, it seems likely yeah that this cutscene here with sephiroth and then we're in the road there and we've just seen the rubble and the crash of the sector seven plate that they're going to actually put sephiroth in that scene as a hallucinatory element mm -hmm. i don't know if hallucinatory is a word i might have just made that up Hallu yeah i got you <laughs> but you know what i mean yeah 
Um, so, I, I think that is – so that was the one part of the whole – and I did see this tweet earlier. That was the one part of the whole trailer that's like, oh, this wasn't in the original game. And when you look at it in context of this, it's like, well, that's not a stretch, though. That's not too big of a stretch to say mm-hmm. that this may have been there. Now, one of the biggest issues that this whole project is going to have is that it's multi-part, right? And I don't know, for, for a long time in the game, you don't really see Sephiroth much. And it, it would be very difficult for them to conclude part one without Sephiroth having been a, a big part of it, right? And I think they're trying to find these little opportunities to put Sephiroth in uh, uh, to part one of the game, right? Because it's going to be multi-part. Um, so that we have more exposure to the villain in that first part of the game as opposed to just the second part. What do you think about that? Mm. Um, well, what I think about it is that's a wrong move. But... I, I, um, yeah. I don't I mind wanted, it here, but I'm I'm curious if that's their motivation. I'm uh, first of all, I'm going to bring up the fact that I think I might have misspoken there and said that that was the first um, mention of Sephiroth's name in the whole game. Uh, I think that people are bringing up the the flashback oh. with Tifa and Cloud as kids, where they well, Joseph Knight says, says it's one of the first times yeah. we hear his name. So, yeah. yeah, so I I misspoke there. He they they mentioned Sephiroth's name in the flashback. Um, Tifa and Cloud are talking. He's talking about how he wants to become a hero like Sephiroth. So it's not the very, very first time that his name was mentioned. So just correcting that real quick. Anyways, um, I am I'm really, really on the fence about this Hmm. because that moment in Final Fantasy VII, where the party is captured and they're imprisoned in the Shinra building. And they kind of go to sleep, and you wake up, and the doors open, and yeah. it's like, what? What's going on here? It's and like you it's, don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like horror vibes. You are walking down hallways spattered with blood, blood trails. The assumption everywhere. is that it was literally a monster. Like, like I remember yeah. my first thought was um, the movie Alien, right? Mm-hmm. Where it was like exactly. something like that just yes. ravaged this whole building. What the fetch is this thing? And even still, even in that scene, you never see Sephiroth in person at all. Yeah. Um, Mm. There is something very powerful about leaving those kinds of hints and teases at something. It's it's like not revealing the monster in a horror movie. When you don't see it, it's scarier. It's much scarier. When you prolong the reveal, you imagine the worst and it's like, what could have done this? I think if we see Sephiroth before that moment, that moment can't have the same impact. And and that is one of, I would say, it's in the top three of most impactful moments, most intense moments of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, sure. It, I think it will be diminished if you show Sephiroth at all before that scene. I agree with you. One of the really uh, cool, like psychological experiments, I guess, that Final Fantasy does in Final Fantasy VII, and this isn't, you know, a lot of other games and mediums have done this, but you, you're thinking the enemy is one thing, and yeah. and you you're wrong, right? It, the enemy isn't necessarily Shinra or President Shinra or Rufus or you know a lot of the people that you're you know, coming into contact with or the Don, what was his name? Don, whatever. 
or mm-hmm. any a lot of the characters Don that Corneo. you see and yeah. you're like this is the bad guy oh we're yep. gonna fight him and reno or whoever oh we got this and it sephiroth slowly creeps into the picture and becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger presence until finally you realize that you're kind of geared and like Shinra's also trying to kill Sephiroth. <laughs> like it's not, it's not like what you thought it was at all. And it, the whole kind of thing kind of changes in the second half of Final Fantasy seven. But this is why I bring up the whole multi-part thing. Like it would be so cool if they just did it perfectly faithfully and left us with that question mark where in part one, we think we're trying to accomplish one thing and we realize there's a much bigger problem here. But mm. because of their choice to split it into multiple parts, I think they are feeling the need to establish Sephiroth as the villain, you know, kind of from the get-go. And you yeah. won't have very many questions. You're not going to be curious. You're not going to think that your whole goal is, you know, Shinra's the bad guys. They're draining the planet's life. And, you know, they're they're going to make it very obvious. Um and I, it's all comes down to that decision to make it multi-part. And I, it's a shame. Yeah. I think it being released in multi-parts might have something to do with it. I agree with you. Yeah. Cause it'd be um, weird I'll, if part one, like part one of fellowship of the ring was, yeah. Oh, there's this one bad guy. And then part two, two towers. It's like, Oh, actually there's Sauron. And then just don't worry about that other thing. True. Yeah. If, if, if Sauron never appeared in fellowship of the ring at all yeah. in any form, that's a good point, and that might be what they're I thinking. Think, I, I still I think disagree with driving them. this. I know, I me think, too. I think me that too. you you wouldn't have to have Sephiroth. If part one is only the Midgar section, which from from what we can tell, it seems to be that's the case. Midgar is going to be part one of the game. We're going to get into a yeah. deeper conversation about it being released in multiple parts in a minute. But if that's the case, and, and, and you don't reach the calm in at the end of this episode, and you never see Sephiroth, that could be their impetus for inserting him somewhere here. Yeah. But I still think that you should not do it. You should just save him for part two. I agree with you. That being said, if they're going to do it, the only way to not totally ruin it is if we do not see his face. If the camera well, shot that, here is the trailer, only, yeah, yeah. only in the back, we only see him as this large frame, just his back, just his armor. Sure, it's and we still, hear his name, which is what happened in the game, but we don't see his face. That it's, it, yeah, it's still not ideal, but I would be, <laughs> I would be forgiving of it as long as they don't show his face. Sure, that's all I'm saying, uh, sure. because because it's not that much different, really, from seeing different elements of the character, like his sword sticking out of the back of President Shinra. It's just his sword. That was freaking cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here yeah. you're just seeing oh, his so, back. So his armor, but you don't, you're still, it's now not like a true character reveal. Again, I, I repeat, it's not this. It's not going to be as good as not seeing him until the calm flashback. That would be better. But if they are convinced they need to put him in there to have as a presence in episode one of the game, that would be the only way to me that would work is if you do not see his face in this in sure. this flat in this little hallucination that's going on here. Assuming this is the only time it happens, I, if it happens more than once, I think you've it, ruined it. I can almost guarantee because it's happening here that it will happen multiple times. Because if they're interpreting, if you go back to this tweet here by Joseph Knight, if <clears throat> the team 
that's making this game is interpreting this as a hallucination. There are mm-hmm. several other points in this game, especially early on, that Cloud is hallucinating in well, different ways, seeing different things. And even even when he just sits down and he's like, oh, he thinks he's in, just imagine what they're going to show. Like that first mission where he he kind of collapses and he, he flashes back to the first time he was in a Mako reactor some years back, right? In the game, the way we have it in Final Fantasy VII, you just kind of see the old flashback and you don't have any context. But in a fully 3D game like this that's rendered and that's different, they're going to show more stuff than what they showed in Final Fantasy VII. Well, in the original game, they just do a white flash on the screen with text. <clears throat> with and text. That, that's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Because if they they're don't actually this text as a flashback, they're right, going to that. If they're showing a hallucination in... Vi- visually showing a hallucination rather than just having a flash on the screen and him going like, oh, and maybe hearing voices or something. Right. Um, but there's th- there's also the fact that when Cloud has those flashes, he's actually hearing different people. There's been speculation for years about mm. who that is that's talking to him. Is that his young subconscious self talking to him? To mm. me, it seems clear that for the most part, that's who that is. It's his mm. inner child that you actually talk with in the subconscious part of the game where Tifa Later goes on, in. Yeah. That is who is talking to Cloud when he flashes that way. But there are other times where maybe that's Genova, maybe that's Zach, maybe that's somebody else, maybe that's Sephiroth. There have been people debating about that for years, about who it is Cloud is hearing when he has these episodes. And in this particular one, he's saying out loud Sephiroth with a question mark. And so it makes sense to me that they would insert Sephiroth here. It would make zero sense whatsoever and would totally ruin the freaking game if they put Sephiroth in the very first flash sequence that happens in the Mako reactor because that's not (laughs) Sephiroth talking to him there. That's his subconscious child cloud self talking to him there. So I I would think that they wouldn't do it any other time than this, but if they did, yeah, they would freaking ruin the reveal of Sephiroth in a big way. Yeah. Uh, there were now, a couple of other things people said. Other than that, I'm. This is so unbelievably faithful. Yes, it's very faithful. I, I'm Although, loving how faithful it is. There is one thing. We, we, I, I like that you separated in your little notes here. You separated tone and spirit, right? Yes. <laughs> because yes. the the spirit of the game, in my opinion, I don't know how you define those words, but the spirit seems very well captured. Very, very more well captured than I could have imagined. But the tone of the game is definitely um well with the with the great with the silly voice acting it kind of approaches that a little bit but a lot of what you mentioned before the sarcastic comments from cloud the the arrogance the the kind of smugness the 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 jokish nature i guess of you know his interaction with a lot of the different characters and things mm-hmm. um is not at all captured in any single thing Nomura has ever worked on that is Final <laughs> yeah. Fantasy VII related. Yes. And this trailer is no different. The only things that I look at that make me kind of like smirk a little bit is the silly voice acting. Everything else seems like, ah, oh, this is very dark and very serious, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the game eventually becomes that, but it does not start out that way. And that's a part of the tone that is not necessarily faithful to the, the uh, initial game. So just one quick comment on that um, in defense of the other directors who have yeah. worked with Cloud. Um, in Advent Children, he's his 
changed version of Cloud from the end of FF7 that's like accepted that he's weak. Right, that's what people he was part of shoulder soldier. Point to, in yeah. like Crisis Core, he still is the weak character who hasn't gone through the Nibelheim incident. He's still not confident, gets uh, motion sure. sickness, you know, like looks up to people has is shy. So those other iterations of Cloud not having the arrogance to me makes sense. But yes, this is sure. the first time I've seen him have that kind of posture and attitude because this is the first time we've seen a Final Fantasy VII material covering that part of the character's arc or story. Yeah. And so it's, I'm glad that they're getting that right, apparently. Again, we've heard him say four words, it but it's the, way, exactly. it's the way he's carrying himself that is exuding that to me. Just looking at him, it just looks like when, when Aerith's offering him that flower, he just looks really tired. He He's not, it doesn't look as much like he's just super caught up in his own emotions. It, it, it seems a little more like he's just tired and he's, I don't know. I, I'm really hoping for a lot more with this character than, we, than we've seen in the past, I guess. Um. Okay, so yeah, I, tone or spirit, this is where... Honestly, I don't think anyone can make a judgment right now. There have been some people, for instance, who have criticized the music that was used in the trailer, which is kind of generic action music, except yeah, for that one part it. that has Eris theme on a piano for a minute and a little bit of a choral thing going on in the background. Hmm. Um, but I'm not worried because Uematsu is doing the music for the game. So Oh, cool. They yeah. can throw some generic uh, heavy drum action trailer music into this that wasn't really what i was concerned about as much as a lot of the other things we've talked about here um impressing me and making me feel like they're really trying to be faithful to the original source material there there is a sentiment from when i watched this that they really really are trying to do that at least in the vein that they're going which is they're not doing a true like remake where they just remake exactly the original game with updated graphics and stuff and voice acting they're making it into an action game so they're taking some liberties but for taking the liberties they're taking i've been impressed yes (laughs) with how faithful they're trying to be to the original source material that does not at least in this one minute you know trailer they show us they probably handpicked a lot of these just for that reason we'll see if the actual product is you know the way we're characterizing it i um, actually, Heon's bringing up a good point here that even Child Cloud in the subconscious tended to have sort of an arrogance to him, too. Yeah, that's right. And he was he was um, like he was a protector and he was a brave adventurer, right? He wanted to go out and he wanted to yeah. be a soldier and he was kind of mean to the other kids and he talked down, you know, to them and a lot of that was petty, feeling like he was not accepted and so forth. Right. Um. He only acted timid when returning to Nibelheim because of a failed soldier. So still, I, 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 I feel you. I actually agree with Hyun on that. Uh, his yeah, his uh, timorous nature was really only apparent when he was embarrassed to return to Nibelheim. And, and so those other parts in Crisis Core where Cloud was super soft-spoken and timid where he wasn't back in Nibelheim, I can agree, might not have been the best interpretation of the character. Okay, um... What was I saying before that? Oh, uh, I just lost train of thought. Oh, spirit. So just because just because we see this strong effort to retain and be faithful to the original source material 
does not necessarily mean that they understand the spirit of the game. And we talked about this in our podcast. We talked about Lord of the Rings and and keeping the spirit of the novels into the films and why I felt like Fellowship of the Ring got it and the others not as much. And, um, you know, what what is the real theme of the game? What is it really trying to say? And there is just no way to tell from this one minute teaser trailer whether or not they're getting that. But I've heard a lot of people expressing that it doesn't feel like Final Fantasy VII to them, despite it looking like it's being faithful, despite it, you know all these little things. Sure, I think, sure. I think music is a big part of that. It's action focus yep. is a big part of that. Instead of focusing, let's say, on the original reveal, the announcement that it was in development, which had a guy talking about reminiscence on a time past and you know, like the way the music worked there, that that seemed to be tone and spirit wise in line, which is why I think the the reaction to it was so positive where you just saw the back of Cloud's head walking through Midgar. People were very excited at that time. That trailer to me seemed to have or maintain the spirit of Final Fantasy VII in it. This doesn't, but because it's a very heavy action focus. I'm not I'm not able to say one way or the other whether I feel they're 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 capturing that. I think my cynical side, which has been burned by Square Enix for so many years now, mm-hmm. will say that I don't trust that they do understand it truly, um, yeah. or or that they that they really get it the way that uh, Sakaguchi got it when he made these games, right? And and like his influence on them back in the day. So my default position is that, but I'm still, for me, the jury's still out on it. Like, we have to wait until whatever they're going to show us at E3 before we can really say that. Um, But all the things we are seeing are leading me to be more hopeful that there's an opportunity, a chance that they'll at least be approaching it. Yeah. Um, They're moving in the right direction from everything I've seen. I could see, like... What we've seen so far um, in terms of a lot of the action-y elements with the explosions and with the battle sequences, if if people aren't getting the feel of their first playthrough of Final Fantasy VII from that, I I, I can sympathize that with that um, to some degree. Uh, but we, what we haven't seen yet are just the parts where Cloud is just kind of walking around Midgar and talking to people and going into buildings and going to shops and buying things and exploring the world. Yeah. Um, that I think will feel if 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 what we've seen so far is any hint, <laughs> that will feel like we have just stepped into that old game mm-hmm. the way that we did a long time ago, as opposed to the battle sequences that they keep showing off. Yeah, that doesn't feel like the original game at all. Uh, but I think other parts will, especially the more calm parts that you never really see in trailers, but that actually encompass a like nearly majority of the game. <laughs> yeah. I like Cap Doc's uh, comment here. It says anti-corporatism, environmentalism, spiritualism, and alien juice equals good for your body, bad for your soul. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if they have yeah, something, they get if the they, themes. Yeah. If they have something meaningful to say, and they are able to execute on those messages in a way that is captured similarly to the original game, hmm. then we'll be fine. As long as they understand that that's the core of what FF7 is. That's what it's really about. Mm. And I think that's actually a pretty good segue segue into leading into the final part of this discussion, which is, uh, well, episodic format, we'll do that last. But I want to talk about response to criticism first. Okay, go ahead. 
Actually, episodic format is part of the criticism, so it'll all be part of the same thing. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot of people in the comment section on my video said, no turn base, no buy. I can't understand why they wouldn't make this turn-based. So pissed off about it not being turn-based, about it being an action RPG now instead of a turn-based RPG. A lot of people talking about how the gameplay, the change in gameplay is a killer for them. Um, and how they, they've changed the whole game. I am sympathetic to that to a certain extent. Because, yeah, I mean, like, a, a game, we're talking about a game here, right? What is a game? A game is not a story. A game is like even sports, like football, basketball. It is a set of rules, a set of mechanics hmm. uh, that make up how you interact, how you score, how you win, what are failure states. The game, if we're talking about on that level, is not the same anymore. It's a different thing now. But one thing I really do question I pose this to everybody who watches or listens to this. If you look honestly into yourself and tell me, did you ever play Final Fantasy for its turn-based combat? I Is that the <laughs> reason you played it? Wait for some I don't, comments. I don't, think, I don't think for the majority of people that turn-based combat was what made Final Fantasy popular, what made it explode, what made it so memorable, so lasting for so many years, what brings tears to people's eyes when they're in certain scenes and, and, the, and the goosebumps and, that they get and, and the memories and the nostalgia. I don't believe that for, I would even say, anything less than 80% of people who played those games they played it for its turn-based combat. They played the game for the characters, the worlds, the stories, the experiences. That is the heart of Final Fantasy. And, I, and the reason why I, I feel so strongly that that is true is because the initial launch of the idea in Sakaguchi's mind in 1986 was, I don't think I'm good at making an action game. I think I'm better at telling a story. Final Fantasy IV was one of the games that pioneered dramatic storytelling in video games and especially in RPGs. Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy has always been about characters and story first. That's not to say that the, the turn-based combat wasn't a feature that people were attracted to or that they prefer, okay? If you prefer turn-based combat to action combat, then obviously, you know, that's a preference that you have. But I don't think that for the majority of people, that was the identity of Final Fantasy. I don't think that was the identity of Final Fantasy to the creators of the game. It certainly has never been the identity of Final Fantasy to me. And so I'm not playing Final Fantasy VII original or this version because of its gameplay being one way or another. It's not an, a strategy game. It's not turn-based. 
I, I'm playing the game because I'm interested to see the interpretation of these characters in this story, which touched me, which made me think and introspect, which had a long lasting impression on me. I have met people who are not gamers. My, uh, my current boss, who I work for right now, played video games as a kid with his buddies. They played fighters. They played Mega Man did not carry on into playing gaming into adulthood at all, has not touched video games since the PlayStation. He has played Final Fantasy VII. And he loves the story. He loves the characters. That was it. I mean, he, he got into the strategy of the material system and everything like that. But it was it's the story. It's the storyline that really hooked people, that really made it timeless. So... To be completely dismissive of this game, because it is not turn-based, I think is a mistake. Um, and, and it's dismissive of all the things in this trailer that to me they seem to be doing right. And, and the positive directions forward that they're moving. Um, now, the, other, the element of Final Fantasy VII's gameplay that I do think is integral to its soul is not it being turn-based, but rather it, the materia. Because again, the materia is where all the strategy of the game comes in, and it is directly tied into the story. The materia comes, is the heart, is the crystallized life stream. That's where all the spiritualism of the game's theme comes from. So the materia system will be in this game, it seems to work exactly like it did in the original with equipment slots. And that unique gameplay aspect is going to be retained. So to me, we still have command menus. So there's still an element of it being command-based. It's just not turn-based. And to me, that's not going to ruin in any way, shape, or form the game's soul. That one thing, just it's it's not it's active rather than turn based. That does not ruin it, and I and I would I would I question those. I mean, not obviously not everyone in the universe is going to be on the same page as me. There are going to be people who say, "Yes, I did play it for the turn based combat because I loved turn based combat and I loved RPGs back in the day. I never played them for their story, anyways. I just played them for the combat." There'll be some people who will answer in the affirmative to that. And if you're that person, sure, this isn't for you. You can skip it. But I think for most people, it's just not just not an element to it that really detracts from what it was really like, what really drew people to it in the first place. Now, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, the comments are a little bit mixed. <laughs> a lot of people saying, you know, maybe maybe we don't play Final Fantasy for the um, turn base, but the turn base is just such a huge part of the identity of what Final Fantasy has been. Um, and I mean, that probably encapsulates the majority of the comments. There's been a lot of people. Um, some people agree, some people don't. But uh, it seems to be that our comments section is pretty tied to having a turn based. I'm just not married to it. I, I never either. have been. I'm not either. I, I agree with you completely. I remember when I first played the game, I was kind of ticked off that I was waiting turns to be attacked by people. I had never played 
a, a turn-based game. It's not a true turn-based game. There's active the, the the ATB system is not does not make it truly turn-based. But you know what I mean when I say turn-based, right? Uh, that you're waiting turns to attack each other, and it's a exactly. super abstract thing. It's a thing that grew on me, and now I like turn-based systems. But I mean, I just thought it was so dumb the first time I picked up that controller and played that game that I almost put it down. I almost <laughs> yeah. walked away from it because I thought it was so stupid. The only reason I kept playing is because Cloud was so cool. He was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, the story hooked me within probably 10 minutes. I was like, yeah. dude, this story is crazy. This mm. is awesome. I got to find out what happens next. <laughs> so Cloud, with that huge buster sword on his back on the cover art, got me to put the disc in. The turn-based system almost turned me away from it, and the story hooked me for good. And I learned to appreciate turn-based combat because of Final Fantasy VII. But let's be real. Final Fantasy VII is not like the most engaging turn-based game. You can brute force your way through most of it with just standard attacks and just leveling up. Uh, It's not... There is definitely tons of depth to the materia system there's so many cool things you can do the materia system is what makes it great not its turn-based gameplay so i'm just not i'm just not married to it i'm not a person who's going to dismiss this game because it's not turn-based one more comment so hien says let's change the chairs then how would you feel if the next zelda game was turn-based and I think what he's getting at is the idea that the gameplay isn't the reason you play Zelda. However, that's a mistake, Hyun, because gameplay is... Yeah, gameplay you know, is the entire draw to reason Zelda. Most play Zelda. <laughs> that it, because Zelda, what, Breath of the Wild, story-wise, not huge. Character-wise, not really well-developed. Yeah. Um, that's the know, whole reason I, you I'd play say exploration, but that's part of the gameplay. Exploring, actively exploring the world. So the gameplay is the real draw to Zelda, not the story characters or anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely true. So, so yeah. Just I, but then I, you also mentioned God of War and some other, some other. You can brute force your way through most action games too, though. I, I don't think that's true. Um, mm-hmm. If we look at games like Devil May Cry, uh, we look at games like, um, uh, you know, games in that vein, God of War, stuff like that. You can't, you have to, you have, you'll, you'll die if you just mash the attack button over and over again. And, and you're not strategic about going in and out. Um, he says, it's not my point. My point is that how do you feel about it is uniquely tied to what kind of gameplay you appreciate. No, I don't think that's the point because your point is not addressing my point. Yeah. There, there, there's a, there's a, yeah, my a point is there. that the game, the final fantasy was never defined by its turn-based combat. Therefore, changing the combat to this command-based combat is not a departure or a betrayal of its original soul. So that's my original point. If you're not addressing that, if you're addressing something else with your comment, then sure, let's talk about it. But it right, seemed to me... mischaracterized it. That's what I got from it, though. So if, if, it, if, if that point I'm making is what you're addressing with your analogy of Zelda, then that's my response. But if not, then maybe we can further explain. <laughs> Uh, Mike, I know you were not a fan of Nier Automata. Could FF7 remake share elements of Nier's combat? It could. Um, I don't know. It seems to be more like we were talking earlier about kind of a mixture between Crisis Core and um, and Kingdom Hearts. That's what it seems like to me for the most part. Yeah. Um, anyways. Okay. Then episodic epi- format. Episodic format. Uh, 
is what um, we come to. Heon brought this up earlier in that pacing will be killed almost no matter what you do by an episodic format. Yes, um, yes. And you have to end on a cliffhanger and you people have yeah. to wait. That's yeah. going to be an issue. And I understand people being upset about that. But the one thing that people have been saying that I think is premature is to say that, oh, they're going to make us buy the game at full price four or five times or whatever. Um, right. Which I don't think is... Well, I mean, it could be. We, we Who knows? We haven't seen a single thing outside of Midgar yet. I just have to point that out. <laughs> it is possible yeah. that there will be four or five uh, parts. Based on what... Just two, but we've only seen Midgar and literally nothing else. I That isn't anywhere close to half of the game. If... If we're, if this trailer we just watched is anything to go on, which it might not be, they might show more in in June. But if that's anything to go on, then Midgar is going to be episode one. Now, am Midgar's I upset like by that? Fifteen percent of the game, so we got it's like it's really small episodes. percentage of the game. Not a really small. Yeah. It's actually a really large percentage of the game. But there's a lot more game on top of it. What, like a fifth or a sixth? So. If that's the case, I don't think that this is going to turn into a 60-hour game somehow and just be Midgar content. I don't think that that's possible. I think that they will probably release something like a 10 to 20-hour tops experience, like an expansion almost in feel. Uh, so it wouldn't make any sense for it to be priced at full price at $60. If they yeah. release a game that is between 10 and 20 hours long, it's just a first part, and they sell that for $60, and they sell no another part that's the same length for $60, to me, that's going to be a problem. I think a lot of people are expecting that's what's going to happen. I don't think that's yeah, going to Because it's Final Fantasy, and they can, they can do it. Like, yeah. they could get away with selling a shorter game at full price because it's this game. And I think that's where people's cynicism <laughs> comes from. But... The fact that it is being broken up into parts, as long as those parts are priced correctly, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Now, this is coming from a person who is a, a big fan of the game and has played it many, many times. The pacing can't really be ruined for me because I already know the freaking story anyways. So it being broken up into parts as a pacing issue doesn't really bother me because I already know how the story well, hold goes. Hold on, because you already know that Sephiroth is the main bad guy, so why do True. you care about about them revealing him earlier or not. And that's that's what I was getting into, is that okay. I think that these are issues for first-time players. Exactly, right? I think so too. Like, yeah. I think if this is your first time playing the game, you never played the OG, that Sephiroth being revealed early will not have the same impact on you as it did on me playing the OG. Um, yeah. Whether or not they do it is not going to like ruin my experience. I'm not going to freak out, because I can always go back to the original that I loved. And yeah. I have nostalgia for the graphics of that time. I'm and not it was these, well done. Yeah, it was well done. I'm not one of these newer players who can't like appreciate the older graphics and go back and play the old thing. So I always have that. It'll never be ruined mm -hmm. for me, really. But I think that for first-time players, that the pacing can be really messed with in this way. And the reveal of Sephiroth can really be messed with. And for those people, I, I share this criticism or concern and, you know, being critical of it isn't necessarily an expression of, like, um, any sort of negative feeling all the time either. 
like me saying that revealing Sephiroth too early would would ruin that moment is not to say that oh I'm pissed <laughs> about it. It just means sure. that I think that that's a misstep from that was a storytelling the perspective. Exactly. Um, and I think for first time players uh, that they won't get the same impact. So the episodic nature could do the same thing for the pacing. Um, but as long as it's priced correctly, as long as it's like you're paying $15, $20 for each episode, if they're short like that, I, I don't see why that's such a problem. I'm also not completely convinced that it's going to only be Midgar in episode one. Uh, what, what makes you think that they might have something else? They might try to split it up in with the discs, like the length of the discs. That's what uh, I was thinking. I was thinking three parts. Because the first the first disc ends, I think. Wait, where does it end? I always actually get this wrong. I have like you go. I have a false memory. You go on the boat. Is it on the boat when you're uh, you cross the boat to that beach city? Um, Isn't it something like that? That's what I thought, but it isn't that. It isn't then. It's actually I think when it's after Aerith. I think that's when disc one ends. But that might be disc two. Well, no, because disc, disc two ends, three is basically disc just two. The disc final two ends when you day. when you parachute back into Midgar and fight uh, Hojo. That's the end of disc two. Then disc three is the end of the game. So disc one ends after Eris. Yeah, I always get that wrong. Anyways, maybe it won't be quite that far. I don't think they'll get I that far. But disc I was thinking, three, a huge part of disc three is is just the final FMV cutscene and the final boss and all that stuff. It's not like a full. It's the shortest of all the discs in terms of gameplay. Um. They they'll they might cut it up a little bit differently, but we haven't seen one thing outside of Midgar yet. Not a single thing. Yes. But I don't think that that necessarily means that they have It doesn't gone necessarily mean. It they just means might... we have no evidence no, we don't. that points towards anything but Midgar we don't. for this entire first game. We don't, but there is part of me that wonders if yeah. like okay, just from a game development standpoint, right? Are we going to release because if that's part one and it's just Midgar and that's it, that means that the game problem. would be broken up into like what? Two, three, four, five, six, like seven parts? Yeah, it would be huge. But so here are my thoughts on this. So as as the game exists in the PlayStation 1, you it was easier for them to do an overworld where you can kind of just walk around and go wherever you want because it was low resolution and your character was represented. They did, they did, um, you know, all the battles and all that kind of stuff, the way that they did it made it possible to do in the PS one era. Right now, when you're doing this whole realistic angle of things, right, you're going to have to have either some incredibly linear gameplay or which takes out the world map travel, which um, disc one had programmed in it, or uh, you're going to have to, kind of do some weird representations. I, you're not going to be able to, like once you leave Midgar in Final Fantasy VII, you just, you're going wherever you really want to go. That's a lot of stuff for them to program into this game, especially if Midgar is going to be this huge city where you can kind of explore yeah. it. And and if they're going to, and in, in uh, Final Fantasy VII, the original game, you just insert a different disc um, and then it still has that whole previous game loaded into it. You can still go to Midgar and all the other places at this level with this kind of production, it would kind of make sense for them to just program Midgar as one game. And then in disc two, you can't 
I don't know. There. You can't go back and explore all of Midgar the way you could in that yeah. first game. But yeah. you can now explore the whole world in the continent, yeah. at least, right? A, a, di- a disk space issue is what you're getting. Exactly. They, they just don't have the room to put the entire game over and over again three different times. Um, possibly. Maybe they do have the room. It's, it's entirely possible they can do that, right? They can totally pull it off. But I could see them kind of constraining themselves to Midgar for this first game for that reason. Um, well, I think that, uh, you know, in terms of, um, uh, Ozzy must asking why not. It's the same reason why I say Assassin's Creed Brotherhood constricts you to the city of, um, of Rome and you don't like travel outside of it because there's just not enough space right, to put that much data into it. I could see that being true, but what, what I'm wondering about is whether or not they're going to go that full out on Midgar, whether they're going to make it like a, a one third scale of like a real major city and let you go anywhere you want. Um, I, I It seems yeah. to me like the logical place to end on a cliffhanger for an episode is not the end of Midgar so much as after you fight Genova Rebirth, I think it is, or Genova Birth. I can't remember the first time you fight Genova on the ship crossing the after the first continent. Yeah. So that the first continent is the first part of Final Fantasy VII Episode One. Sure. Um, to me, it would make a lot more sense. I think you could get a 60-hour game out of that, especially with how they've talked about how they're going to be adding and expanding on things, right? Um there's certainly room to expand on things like Calm. You know, it's just tiny village. I, I think there are ways that they are planning to expand that can that can include more stuff to make the game a little longer than the original. But if they were going to split up into seven parts that are in length equal to the Midgar section of Final Fantasy VII, which, again, well, accounting for the fact that they would be expanding it would be something like 10 to 20 hours range-wise, somewhere in there. That's where they, I probably going to add content to Midgar to make it 60 hours as long as the other two parts that they would otherwise be making, which once again, as you've said, is not, it's not an ideal choice. If that's the way they go, it it is not the best choice for them to make, but well, definitely not. And they would be making up, they would literally be making up like 70% of the content in it. Yeah. If they did that almost everything. Yeah. So I, I won't dismiss that as a possibility, but I would be hesitant to think it would that they would want to do that <laughs> because they, they are, it does appear that they're trying to be faithful to the original game. So adding 70% of that's content that's point. not there would be code, totally betraying that. It so would, it would, it would. anyways, yeah. I don't want to speculate too much on it any further. I do want to go back and read a comment though. Uh, I think he on left it way over oh. here. Oh, wait. I think I passed it. Yes. I don't think games are defined by any one thing. Games are amalgamatory. I don't think everyone plays Zelda for only its gameplay. Just as I don't think everyone plays Zelda purely for the gameplay. It's or what you plays Final Fantasy purely for the gameplay, he means. Right. Because you had mentioned, like, oh, I'm sure there's some people out there who aren't like yeah. me, right? And so there's going to be. There are going to be people who do it for different reasons. I mentioned that earlier. The degree to which you're married to any one part of the game is individual. You don't have to play FF for the combat to feel the combat is big enough to point you the, to the point you want wouldn't want it changed. Um, I mean, I I I said all that uh, earlier. 
I still think I would be, I feel confident to say that the story was the most important thing to or most people who played that game. And with Zelda, gameplay is that what they rem- what they remember, what what brings chills, what gets them teary eyed is the story of Final Fantasy, the music of Final Fantasy. Music, I think, is is up there. Music is more important than its combat, <laughs> like yeah, way so. more, yeah. way more. So, um, yeah, I think yes, obviously, individual case by case. But I'm talking about, in my opinion, from my interactions with people. I've had many, many hundreds, if not thousands of interactions, for sure, thousands of interactions with people talking about Final Fantasy VII. And uh, no one's there talking about, isn't it great how it's (laughs) turn-based? That's not what they want to talk about when they talk about FF7, right? That's true. Basically, no. I mean, in our circles, some people do say that. But for the most part, you know, people aren't typically saying things like that. Ozzyness says... he doesn't believe the disk space theory because of recent games that make it seem like you can just fit infinite data on Blu-ray discs, and that's probably true. I may be, I may. Uh, okay, so let's let's look at some of the let's look at some of the examples he brings up, though. Um, let's say Horizon Zero Dawn, The Witcher Three, or Skyrim. Skyrim has tiny cities; it's tiny, tiny, tiny towns. Yeah, there's like, not a ton of people in Skyrim with like ten, twenty people living in the in the villages. Right. And that Fantasy are supposed to be sprawling cities, you know? Great example there either. Final Fantasy XV is a tiny island. It's a tiny um, island with not very many big cities, not very many people. And the yeah. one big city it does have is just a separate linear part of the game, which was my whole point. If you make the game more linear, then you can do whatever you want. But I don't know if that's the way they're going to go with it because that's not how Final Fantasy VII was initially. Cyberpunk 2077, from what I've seen, it basically all takes place within a city. Which is kind yeah. of my point. There's a reason you, why Grand yeah. Theft Auto is a city. You can't leave that city. It, the whole game is the city. Now, the Witcher 3 one, though, what do you think of that? Now, the, the cities and villages are also small. They yeah. they did have a pretty impressive amount of content in Novigrad in particular, but it's still a realistically proportioned medieval city, which is not a sprawling metropolis by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe a couple, maybe a couple thousand people living in it. That's it. Midgar, from what Kaysen's describing, we're talking about making it the size of a city from Grand Theft Auto, the size of a city from Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. We're talking about if you're going to make the city that big, you would have to add content. The game, the game the original game does not need a city that's that big. That's true. Agent Poyo says, uh, FF seven is not an enormous world game. It could be doable one. Well, it could, if he did it exactly like the original, what we're speculating on is whether or not they're going to expand Midgar to feel like a full sized city or whether they're going to break it up into these little screens uh, that just give you representations. And then when you leave the screen, it's insinuated, oh, we traveled a distance and arrived at this next place. And we skipped all that stuff in between. This Which is the same are- argument. This is the argument that I make in uh, my video on uh, open world games, right? Like in zone construction, you go to an exit point and the screen goes black and you enter another zone that is entirely different in landscape or temp or uh, uh, climate or whatever. You go from a jungle region to a snow region by exiting the, the zone. 
But the implica- the insinuation there is, oh, the, 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 they journeyed really far and now we've arrived at here. So the world is broken up piecemeal into its most yeah. impressive locales. If they do Midgar like that, yes, they can make the full game in one disc or in one episode. But what we're speculating on is whether they're going to have an entirely explorable city, every inch of its, I don't know, 10 mile square radius. Yeah, yeah. And, and if mid, they're going to flesh out Midgar to that degree, then the answer is no. They cannot make the entire world of Final Fantasy VII, including a city of that size, into yeah. one game. That's what we were saying. That's the idea. And, and it could be that somehow they can still do it. I don't know. I don't think they can do it, but that would be insane if they could. And I think that's another reason for having it be episodic. That way they can focus so much on just this one city. And then with part two, you've got the whole rest of the continent, right? Yeah. Anyways, um, we could probably talk about this for another freaking like 10 hours. (laughs) But uh, let's let's move on and wrap the podcast up about this it's been a while so that's nice yeah let's move on to our last two questions from the day um these are both i think pretty much related to ff7 what we've been talking about uh the first one comes from christopher kowalchuk do you think the anime style designs work with the more realistic graphics i wouldn't have minded seeing a more cartoony look or maybe something heavily stylized like the spider-verse movie Somehow a straightforward approach to rendering Nomura's design in 3D seems a bit weird. You know, this is what I've been saying probably for the last year, right? Is that I love the way Dragon Quest does it. Um, I love the way that, uh, like, Dragon Ball... What's that latest fight? Dragon Ball Fighters? Fighter Z? Um, the way... Yeah. What are you, what are you finding? Uh, Dragon Ball... Fighters... With a capital the capital Z. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I, I really like some of the more modern techniques for taking like a cell shaded look to like its furthest extent, where you are literally navigating a CG model. Uh, Dragon Quest has been doing this for a while. Like Dragon Quest 8's look, I think, is phenomenal. Um, it looks like almost like a flat 2D animated thing, but it's actually 3D. I think Final Fantasy VII really could have worked like that. And, and it would have made it easier to translate some of the goofier stuff that we talked about earlier with Barrett and stuff like that. I think if they had made it into an anime, that would have worked better to have some of those sillier things be fully expressive. And, uh, and I would have really liked the look of the game to be that. I think with Advent Children and some of the compilation of FF7 stuff, that wasn't really an option. They've already sort of established a look and feel for Final Fantasy VII beyond the original game that too many people expect to see and would probably be upset by. I think I'm, I might not be a minority voice necessarily in this, in the sense that no one agrees with me on that, but certainly a minority voice in that. I think the, the common person, the average person, the average FF seven fan probably wouldn't want to see it done that way. And I think that they understand that. And for for what they've got now in terms of designs, this is the, the best they can do with the realistic look. Yeah. And I'm really happy with it. I, I'm honestly very happy with it. So I'm not going to complain and wish they had done it a different way. I'm enjoying what they've done here. 
Uh, what do you so, what do you think? I didn't see Spider Verse, uh, un- unfortunately. Mm. Um, now I like what you're saying is essentially if this was done in a little bit more of sort of like the Super Smash Brothers model of cloud, right? And having kind of that design be the one that everything else is kind of based off of, and have the the whole world be a little bit uh, more have more animated qualities than real life qualities. I am all for that in video game style movies or mm. remakes, I guess this kind of stuff. I think dragon dragon quest 11 just did a really good job with their art style. Yeah. Um, I, I also understand though, that like what you're talking about is essentially the wind waker backlash, right? Yep. <laughs> Where yep. you expect one thing and you give them something else. And even though it's incredible and wind waker has some of the, best like graphics ever 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 mm-hmm. and you can fight me on that whoever wants to <laughs> um it's it's just so well done man boy did people really not like it including myself back then and so i mean yeah. y- you have to take that into account when you're doing something like this there th- this is their one shot to do a final fantasy 7 remake they they could do it again i guess in like 20 years if they want to but like this is it. Like they need to get this right and taking a chance on something that they know people will respond negatively to, even if it's the right choice, maybe something that a chance they just don't want to take. Yeah. Uh, Ramagus says there's a huge amount of fans that would like final fantasy to be an anime, but it's only been represented like that in concept art. Uh, and then uh, Liquid Sword brought this up, and this is kind of along the same point. How do you think they'll handle Don Corneo? I know everyone I'm, talking about that. I'm really not sure because this kind of falls into what I was talking about. If it's a cartoon, if it's Lego people, if they're hopping around to exclaim their excitement and, and yeah. joy about something. Then it works. Don Corneo's depravity and just off, awful, awful nature can be made to feel light. Yeah. And it could be funny when they say, I'm going to smash it. I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to tear it off. Whatever they say, don't right? <laughs> All that stuff can be funny because of the fact that they're Lego people. This is a lighthearted thing. But when yeah. we're going for realism, this is going to get real dark. And look at look at those images. Like, watch that trailer again. Look at that model of Cloud. Yeah. And and imagine that scene with this this tone that they have built around what what they what seems to be what they've built around Cloud's persona. And imagine him doing that. That is that is just awkward. That is not it's, funny. It's not fun. It's not no. even like interesting. It is it is just it, it is could very, very easily become dark. And if you don't treat the subject matter, especially in today's political correctness cl- uh, climate in a respectful way, that could really backfire. So that is one concern that I have with them taking this realism route in the first place is that you're not going to be able to retain some of the humor from the original. That's going to have to be lost because it will feel weird or awkward or just uh, insensitive. Um, go ahead. That, that's a shame, yeah. I guess, because that was part of the original game. And I remember laughing really loud when I was a kid at that scene and at the whole, mm-hmm. all the that were happening there. Now, I didn't realize until I played the game more recently, um, like when you go and get, I think, uh, Tifa or is it Aerith, whoever was kidnapped, I actually kind of forget um, what exactly happens there. But when you go down the stairs, that long staircase, and you get to that basement room, mm-hmm. that's that's a red room. <laughs> like, that's yeah. 
that is a place where people are tortured and killed on like a video camera and so that people can enjoy watching it later like that is really really dark stuff and it is not funny Mm-mm. but it was really funny <laughs> when, it was done, <laughs> when it was done in 1997 and, and you're right so in some ways it's like yeah political correctness and just this looks real now and red rooms are not there is no you cannot make red rooms funny in any way unless you are you know in a cartoon like if if it's real life, it is not funny. And yeah, that's a huge. They they've created these obstacles for themselves essentially in retelling. Uh, just gotta say to Agent Poyo. I mean, obviously, I, I disagree. Um, I I laughed at many many parts of the original game. I thought the humor was spot on. Um, but Jonathan, the man, says Japan is nearly three decades behind when it comes to portraying the dark sexual subject matter tastefully. So I don't expect them to suddenly improve here. Um, well, they I did respond to some political correctness backlash in Final Fantasy XV, which led them to cut some content featuring the female lead. So, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Like, it's true in a lot of ways. They're behind. I don't even want to say behind. They're just they're different. I, I think they're ahead of us personally. But you know, however you want to look at progressivism and the the whole like prison there, um, it, they're different. And what they take to be offensive is very different than what we do. But I think they're pretty aware of it. And they've got people in their North American offices telling them what will what they not. can. That's well, I mean, this is, this is, just, this is true as well. This isn't related to the same content. This isn't about, um, sexual content as much as it is about religious content. This is when Richard Honeywood like begged them to change the name of the boss in Xenogears from Jehovah to Deus. <laughs> um, <laughs> The name Genova, by the way, is clearly anyway. right. So, you know, they definitely have, especially now, like much larger localization teams that are going to be, as many of us feel, right, too careful about what content they censor or cut or change for the American audience. Uh, that fire emblem example with the two assassins that have this heartfelt conversation about like what it's like to kill your first person. And then they just turned it into dot, 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 in the English version. That's too far, right? We don't like that. But at the same time, uh, yeah, different cultures are going to have, they're going to be at different places in terms of what they feel about certain controversial content. And, uh, I mean, that's a whole can of worms that we can't really dig into or find an answer to because everyone's going to feel so differently about it. Uh, Romegus, and I don't know exactly where you got this from. I haven't read this yet, but he's saying Naoki Yoshida has already dropped the what he can and can't do because of what's going on in the West right now line. So they, they're clearly aware of it. Whether, I don't know, Naoki Yoshida, I don't know if he's with Sony or if he's with Square Enix. I actually don't no, know. Naoki Yoshida is the, the, I think that's the director of FF14 that we're talking about oh, earlier. Okay, so he's in. Okay. So he's with Square Enix. Um, but yeah, they're aware of it. Just say that they are aware of it. They're not, they're not completely oblivious to, to this whole thing. The internet does exist in Japan as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, Doomed Guy says Kotaku will write an article bashing the new portrayal of Don Corneo no matter what they do. That's true as well. Who does? They're they're freaking Gawker, right? They're part of the Gawker yeah. network. Well, Whatever. Gawker's done now. But yeah, the Kotaku, they're they're that's that's their business. Okay, let's move into our last question and then wrap this up. Uh this is from Chocolate Rob. 
How difficult do you think it is to strike a balance in a game remake between expanding what can be done with it and being true to its original form? Compare Shadow of the Colossus to Final Fantasy VII. Shadow of the Colossus is almost exactly the same despite being rebuilt from the ground up, but with completely modernized graphics, whereas Final Fantasy VII has completely remade its systems into an action RPG. Is it just a matter of catching the right tone, or is there more to where you can draw the lines? Medieval, that, by the way, the Medieval trailer was in the same um, stream Sony. from Sony. Mm-hmm has been remade three times, once on the PSP, once as a fan-made Skyrim mod, and the upcoming release on the PS4. Nice. The PSP version utterly failed to retain the character and tone of the original when it was expanded, and the new version seems to be perhaps overcompensating for this, as it just looks almost identical to the original, but with just better graphics. The Skyrim mod, however, completely reimagined the original within the confines of Skyrim assets and gameplay, yet I feel it perfectly captured the feel of the original despite its massive changes. There may be no right way to do a remake, but I think capturing the tone is the most pivotal to the success. And this is kind of what we were touching on earlier. I think that identifying what the soul and the spirit of the work is and making sure you retain that will allow you to take a lot more liberties. I think in the past case, and you actually said, if you get the character right, you can change the story. Yes. Um, and yeah. this is what they've done and why Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had such a tremendous success. Because yeah. the way they portrayed their characters, the way they portrayed their characters was faithful to the comic book characters. As right. far as I'm aware, I haven't read the comics. Maybe a comic guy out there will tell me you're 100% wrong f you and maybe you're right all i'm saying is is that i think to me it makes sense logically that if you get the character right or if you get the spirit of its story right it doesn't even have to be necessarily story because mario doesn't have a story what's the spirit of mario right so even even games that are gameplay first focused still have a soul they still have a spirit let's say uh dark souls right um Dark Souls could be mistaken for having the soul being about challenge and death, dying over and over and getting better. That's not what it is. That's what you would think the soul of it is because it's constantly being compared with hard games. The Dark Souls of this. Yeah. You know, we talk about Zelda earlier and, you know, if you changed Zelda into a turn-based, yeah, that that would hurt the soul of the original work or of the original series uh, spirit. It wouldn't be the same anymore. I don't believe that Final Fantasy VII's soul is tied to its turn-based combat in any way. I don't think that's it. I think Materia is. I think the characters and the story are. I think the music is. I think its world is. I think its themes are. I don't think sitting there waiting for your ATB to go up so you can press attack and watching your character launch across the screen and attack a guy <laughs> um, is the soul of Final Fantasy VII, which is why I think that... Clear. Really not. <laughs> Which is why I think that despite the fact they're changing it into an action RPG, that the soul that's not going to mean the game's soul is lost. Um, whereas if something like Zelda were turned into a turn-based RPG, you would. And to, to put your finger on precisely what the soul of Zelda is and why that would be a betrayal would be a much longer conversation yeah. that we don't have time to get into. But I, I do think each property has a unique soul. 
And as long as you find what it is and you're faithful to that, then you'll be allowed to take some liberties. At the same time, you can play it safe and just make it exactly the same thing as it was, but update it for a new generation. That's the, that's the, uh, the, the direction that medieval went. It seems. Yeah. And I think that's great. I actually want to play it. And if they had done final fantasy seven like that, I would have loved that too. Yeah. I, I probably would have preferred that. Well, because and it like, why would you have preferred that? And I have a suggestion for the answer there. It's because. Cause you, you, you feel can't... confident. You feel assured that they're not going to betray. Right. Soul. Exactly. Because you know that they will capture the soul. If they just do exactly what they yeah. did, just make it look different. Cause the soul of the game isn't in the look. The soul of the game is elsewhere. So just make it look better or different. Right. And you know that they'll keep the soul there because everything else is the same. Well, well, art style, I would say, is tied to the soul, but not graphic fidelity, which I think is what you're alluding to. That's essentially what what I was talking about. I was saying, oh, you can do a pixel art version of Final Fantasy VII, it's 8-bit, and you would still have that soul, right? As long as everything else, you know, was the same. Uh, But yeah, you just know that the soul is always going to be there. Whereas with this new version, people are really iffy because is the soul of this game really going to be there? Because... Everything else has changed. How, how how are they? Are we sure that they didn't change that also? So let me let me twist the question this way. Yeah. Let's say they were making it and they didn't touch the battle system at all. The battle system was the same, but they were still going to insert Sephiroth into this scene. I would have more of a problem with that. I mean, that would still be to me a more of an uh, intrusion on the game's soul than changing the combat system to me sure so let's say they didn't touch the battle system at all i would still have all the same problems and concerns about the soul being retained uh because to me the the combat system is not the most important thing it never was so but if if they had made the story literally the same and they had done fixed camera angles (laughs) right and they had kept all the same pre-rendered they re-rendered new pre-rendered backgrounds right if everything else was the same but upon those screens you're running around on, you had an action combat system. But everything else was retained? I wouldn't be upset. Right. Now, where where you fall onto how much of its turn-based combat was tied to the soul is going to be a matter of opinion. In my opinion, it isn't tied to it at all. That's not the reason I played the game. It's not the reason I stuck with the game. It's not the reason I loved the game in the first place. So that's my individual interpretation. Maybe I'm overestimating the amount of people who, if they're being honest with themselves, would say the same. Maybe I'm actually in the in the minority. I'm willing to submit that if that's the truth. Uh, but I I have a suspicion from all the people I've talked to, anecdotal, I'll admit, that's not really what it was about. <laughs> it's not, that's not why they were playing the game. It wasn't because they got to wait turns to attack people. Yeah. It's because material was awesome and and messing with materia and seeing all the different combinations you could do is because the story is so great and the characters are so great and the plot twist was so mind-bending and the music was so heartfelt and it made you people, you know, emotional. That is the heart of Final Fantasy VII and its messages about environmentalism and spiritualism and all that stuff we talked about earlier, anti-corporatism. Crony capitalism and all that, yeah. Or anti-corporatism, that would be it. That is, to me, what it's about. And if that's in there, I'll be happy, even if it doesn't have turn-based combat. That's all I'm saying. 
Okay, fellas, that's the end of the podcast. Well, fish. Anytime there's Final Fantasy VII news, our podcast goes long. Just expect it, people. It's going to happen every time. This this game changed our lives, man. So many people. It really did. Um. So, anyways, thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for all the comments. There's a lot of good discussion today. Yeah, a lot of different uh, a lot of different opinions being shared. I mean, yeah, usually yeah. when we're on here, people mostly agree, and this is this is good to see people expressing different points of view, uh, pointing things out that we hadn't seen, correcting us on certain things. Uh, makes yeah. the podcast better when we have people discussing it rather than releasing it a day later and realizing, oh, I said that thing wrong. Oh, like, and all these people are like, oh, you moron, you don't try. So at least it's corrected <laughs> within the video and it, it sort of subdues that reaction a little bit. Yeah, so we appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you again next time. Peace out. Peace.